Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Mind of Mansion Waiver Wired Top 10 Takeaways. Three shows in one. Brought to you by Jonathan Taylor's Penis. And Underdog Fantasy. Oh, oh, this is an ambitious program. Three shows in one. And let's talk about the pick and plays for week 11. The Cornhole God on PlayerProfiler.com. Go to PlayerProfiler.com forward slash articles. And we give you free advice for underdog every week. Adam Troutman over. Michael Pittman under. Dak Prescott under. Justin Fields under. Jeff Wilson under. Hit, 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 hit. Cornhole God went five for five. And Josh Larkey told me an interesting story. His girlfriend signed up for underdog using promo code UNDERWORLD. Underdog Fantasy promo code Underworld. She went to the App Store, downloaded the app, used promo code Underworld, deposited 100 got an extra $100 to work with, and has been doing her own research and making money. And some of her research is done on playerprofiler.com because it is true that we have the best free tools, we have the best free content, and the best premium content because we also have the Pick'em Generator as part of the DFS Dominator package, which you can sign up for. And that price has been lowered from $40 at the beginning of the season to just 20 because there's only eight weeks left on the calendar. Plus the NFL playoffs, it's actually a pretty good deal. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code UNDERWORLD. Some of your fantasy teams have been snake bitten, so now is the time to sign up and start playing the pickums to get that extra juice on Sundays. I didn't need any extra juice this week because Jonathan Taylor... <laughs> <laughs> the number one takeaway from this week is Jonathan Taylor is a god. Every week, he sets new records for lifetime value ratings for running backs on the player profiler dynasty rankings, and he's going to break his own record again this week. Having spent so much time debating Jonathan Taylor in dynasty last season, it's hard to put into words how happy it makes me when he smashes. But over 200 yards and five touchdowns? I mean, that's not... What? 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 Like, huh? I would wish any of you to have this level of success in your profession. But for every smashing success, there's typically a catch. The universe strikes a balance. And in my case, there's always the buzzard that comes back and says, Well, you doubted Jonathan Taylor last year. But through the first half of last season, he, he was busting. It's like, uh, were you watching football last year? Yeah, Jonathan Taylor looked awful in the first half. 
To this day, we still have no idea what was wrong with it, but Nate Liss and I hosted a first and only deep dive on a particular player. It's the first time in show history we've ever done it, and we haven't done it since. And we went through every single game looking at film from the first half of the 2020 season on Jonathan Taylor, and we concluded he was a strong buy in Dynasty. That's a thing that happened. I'm even more proud of having conviction in Taylor at that moment than I am all the debates that happened over the summer. To be able to stare a player who is failing in the face and say, I believe in you, and for him to deliver over 200 yards and five touchdowns, it's just, it isn't, it is it doesn't feel real. And I'm in Mexico right now. We should host a dance party. I'm just doing this show from my phone. It sounds different because I have a tiny little microphone attached to my phone. And I have no ability to engineer a dance party right now. But just know that I was dancing in my seat at the pool in Cabo on Sunday. And not just Jonathan Taylor, also DeAndre Swift. Because remember, we have been mocking all those dynasty analysts that came out in the last month announcing that, oh, Jonathan Taylor has now moved ahead of Christian McCaffrey and Dynasty. And we were like, wait, wait, what? Excuse me? Christian McCaffrey has long since ceded the number one, the RB1 slot in Dynasty, as well as the RB2 slot to a DeAndre Swift. Because the second takeaway from week 11 is that DeAndre Swift is quarterback proof. Oh, baby. So what if Tim Boyle is incompetent? DeAndre Swift will just rush for 136 yards and a touchdown. No problem. Can't win it in the receiving game? He'll do it on the ground. He is an amphibious assault vehicle. Doesn't matter the terrain, DeAndre Swift will find a way to win. These are the types of players that the underworld touts most strongly. Jonathan Taylor's, the DeAndre Swift's, and seeing Taylor put up five touchdowns, seeing Austin Eckler, one of our favorite running backs, put up four touchdowns. It begs the question, which was the best strategy this year? Was it Hero RB? building a roster around an Austin Eckler or Jonathan Taylor, or was it zero RB? We'll ask our guest today, Jacob Sanderson, which was the best strategy in retrospect, because he is the greatest advocate of zero RB in the underworld community. And I know many of you are trolling Nate Liss on social media, and I love it. I love it. But just remember that Nate Liss is right way more often than he's wrong. In fact, on the last show, we talked about Joe Mixon and how he's he should be a top 10 running back in Dynasty and should be posted up there for the next few years because he's a true stud running back, a bell cow in every sense of the word. Size, athleticism, receiving skills, he has it all and he has the all-purpose skill set and he has the complete bell cow role locked up in Cincinnati and he has low mileage because he came into the league very young, but he had the complete skill set. And he struggled for years, and that's okay. We knew he had the complete skill set, and we didn't lose faith in Joe Mixon. I've been standing for Joe Mixon year after year after year. And one year, it's, oh, he's injury prone. Oh, another year, oh, he's not good at football. And it's like, nah, no, no. Zoom out on Joe Mixon, and you'll like what you see. And I don't much care that he hurt his knee two years ago. Cincinnati doesn't care. They signed him to a long-term contract. So Nate Liss's advice to go get Joe Mixon in Dynasty is looking prescient after a dominant performance in Week 11. That cutback and touchdown to seal the game against Las Vegas, oh baby. But he was 20 years old when he came into the league, and young players struggle, especially 20-year-olds. Kyle Pitts struggling doesn't concern me. Just like Jamar Chase 
Dropping passes in preseason didn't concern me. Elijah Moore not putting up more than 10 fantasy points through seven weeks didn't concern me. He went six for six in week eight, and we waved the flag. You got to go get this guy on the waiver wire. Prioritize Elijah Moore over every other player on the waiver wire. It was the first and only time all season we prioritized a wide receiver over any running back on the waiver wire. And the response on social media was, oh, Jamison Crowder's back, and Corey Davis is there, and this is a bad offense with a bad quarterback. No, what we care about is that they're going to be facing a lot of negative game scripts. They're going to be losing a lot. And he is clearly, by far and away, the most talented wide receiver on that roster. He was an elite box-stuffing prospect, should have been a first-round pick. If the Giants knew what they were doing, they would have selected Elijah Moore over Kadarius Toney, because Elijah Moore gives you what Kadarius Toney does in terms of the downfield explosiveness and the dynamism, but he's a much more refined receiver than Kadarius Toney ever will be. And he entered the draft at age 20, just like Terrace Marshall. Terrace Marshall's even younger than Elijah Moore. Players like Elijah Moore, players like Terrace Marshall are players that you need to keep your conviction in because you look up and, oh, oh, Terrace Marshall, one target, no yards. He's banished as the number four option on the Cam Newton offense. That's not going to generate you any fantasy points. And that's true. That's true. And then I see trades going through where you have a win-now team trading Terrace Marshall, the future of their team, for James Conner chasing touchdowns. I know James Conner scored another touchdown this week. Great. He's having one of the most fortunate touchdown seasons in recent memory. And he's a raging sell in Dynasty. If I'm a win-now team and I have James Conner, I am bending my will to trade him. If I'm a win-now team, I would want to be on the Terrace Marshall side of that deal. Because when you look at the career fantasy points these two players are going to score, Terrace Marshall is going to like 10x the career fantasy points of James Conner. It's such a short-sighted trade to give up Terrace Marshall now at his career low point for last week's touchdowns in James Conner. So that is observation number four. Observation number five, Taylor Henneke deserves to be Washington's starting quarterback next year. And they're winning enough games that Washington's not going to have access to a quarterback you can build around in the draft in 2022. They're going to have to sign Taylor Henneke to a well-deserved extension. Taylor Henneke winning these games is ensuring that Washington has a pick that's so late that they can't draft a quarterback to replace Taylor Henneke long-term. So Taylor Henneke is securing his future on multiple levels. It's a beautiful thing to watch because he's a grinder that worked his way up the depth chart over the course of five years, and we love that he's an athlete. If a team has to turn to a backup quarterback, I don't want to see Joe Flacco back there. I want to see Taylor Heineke. Heineke. I think it's Heineke. Heineke. We're going to go Heineke. In observation number six, the Steelers wish they had Taylor Heineke. They are a dead team walking. We went through it with Anand on the Decision Point show. Let's just look at the schedule one more time. After this loss to the Chargers, the Steelers are at Cincinnati. They face Baltimore at home. They're at Minnesota. They face Tennessee at home. Then they're at Kansas City. Then they host Cleveland. And then they're at Baltimore. (laughs) It's a comical schedule. No team on that schedule has a losing record. Ah! (laughs) Dead team walking. And you should follow us on TikTok, at Player Profiler. Had the best TikTok video of the year for all of fantasy football TikTok. Not only did I recommend streaming and holding Jimmy Garoppolo, 
I also explained what I explained to Alex Caruso, which is the way that Jimmy Garoppolo can support three fantasy-relevant receivers in a single week is with a Debo Samuel rushing touchdown. And we saw every single aspect of that take play out perfectly. Brandon Ayuk was the most efficient wide receiver in the NFL. George Kittle scored a receiving touchdown, and Debo Samuel scored a rushing touchdown. Exactly as I drew it up! And observation number eight, the Eagles are going to make the playoffs easily, and they will be dangerous in the playoffs. You don't want to face the Eagles in the playoffs, and Jalen Hurts is proving that Nick Saban experienced vividness bias and fell into a small sample trap by promoting Tua in place of Jalen Hurts for the following season. Sure, you bring in Tua, he provides a spark in the national championship game, but the better quarterback all along was Jalen Hurts, and Nick Saban simply got it wrong. Observation number eight, every week we're reminded that streaming wide receivers is feasible as long as you lean into the volatility. If you're following the news, a starting receiver tethered to Aaron Rodgers just lost target competition. When Alan Lazard was ruled out, Marquez Valdez-Scantling became a screaming, streaming option in fantasy football. And some of you played him, especially in DFS. And that's why even those that don't play DFS should follow DFS analysts. Because savvy DFS grinders were playing MVS. Because if you're paying close attention to the injury news and you have player profiler, you realize, oh, you have an explosive downfield option who may not catch a lot of passes, but he can go over 100 yards and score a touchdown. He can go boom without having a huge target share. And it's all there on his player profiler player page. Those that follow the news religiously and have player profiler bookmarked were rewarded when they leaned into the volatility and played Marquez Valdez-Scantling in Week 11. Over 100 yards and a touchdown. And one of the most efficient running backs in Week 11 was Matt Breda. That's observation number 10. Matt Breda needs to be picked up in all formats. He is the best running back on the Bills. It's not even close. Devin Singletary is small and slow. Matt Breda is small but explosive. And Zach Moss is a slug. It turns out he's not the next James Conner. He's the next Wayne Gallman. And players like Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Matt Breida are why player profiler exists. You go there and you're like, oh, wow. So Matt Breida is much more explosive than Devin Singletary. And we know from his days in San Francisco that Matt Breida is a quality receiver. He's just the best running back on that roster. And for the first time all season, he commanded more carries and rushed for more yards than Singletary and Moss. But he didn't post a significant fantasy point total, so he will continue to fly under the radar on the waiver wire. You gotta go get him. We're waiver wire, man! Also get Kadre Olison. Kadre Olison did not score a lot of fantasy points, but he was the clear lead back in Atlanta, and he will continue to be until Cordero Patterson returns. Once Cordero Patterson returns, I'm not interested in Kadre Olison, but as long as Patterson is out, Kadre Olison is interesting. He has a 75th percentile speed score, and he put up over 1,000 yards rushing at Pitt as an 18-year-old freshman with 12 touchdowns, and he also has a 23-catch season on his resume. He has positive athleticism traits. He has positive passing game traits, and he has size, 228 pounds. We've seen this time and time again that 
when a player like Cordell Patterson or Miles Sanders goes down, it's actually a player that's on the practice squad that gets elevated the next week who leads that team in rush attempts. You thought, oh, it could be Gallman. No, 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 no. Gallman was active because he's the veteran. Kadre Olison was practice squad eligible. But when the team was forced to call him up, they did it knowing he's better. He's simply better than Wayne Gallman. At this point in their respective careers, Olison is just better than Mike Davis, better than Wayne Gallman. And you saw that in the touch distribution on Thursday. And I know you're going to ask about Tevin Coleman. We don't pick up players like Tevin Coleman. We pick up Ty Johnson, just like in Tennessee. We had a choice of picking up Jeremy McNichols or Adrian Peterson. We went McNichols. Now, McNichols subsequently picked up a severe concussion and was out. We are most interested in running backs with explosiveness and receiving skills. And Ty Johnson is more explosive than Tevin Coleman and a better receiver than Tevin Coleman. So that's the player that I want on the waiver wire to replace Michael Carter. Not, not, not Tevin Coleman. And earlier this season, Ty Johnson was out-touching Tevin Coleman. And he hasn't picked up an injury. And Tevin Coleman is highly susceptible to injury. I mean, he can't go more than a couple weeks without picking up some kind of lower body injury. So I don't expect Tevin Coleman to make it through the Jets' next game. So for that reason, I'm prioritizing Matt Breda, Ty Johnson, and Kadre Olison on the waiver wire. If you're absolutely desperate, you can go pick up Tevin Coleman. But that's not what we do here. We don't chase old, dusty running backs that aren't active in the passing game. That's just not what we do. Now, if you're Devontae Freeman and you are going to get four to five targets a game, that's different. Devontae Freeman had some juice left and he was featured in the passing game. But Lamar Jackson's going to be back next week. And Latavius Murray split the carries evenly with Devontae Freeman. So Devontae Freeman having scored a touchdown in week 11 is a screaming sell. As I mentioned with James Conner, even if I had a win now team in Dynasty, I'd be trying to unload both Conner and Devontae Freeman. And you got to get Donovan Peoples-Jones this week on the waiver wire just in case he's active. He has explosive athleticism, a 99th percentile burst score. He has big boom weeks despite low target totals this year. Jarvis Landry aggravated a knee injury. He's not himself, and he may not produce much the rest of the season. Who's left? Rashard Higgins? Austin Hooper? Are you kidding me? You have an explosive playmaker who's about to reap the benefits of a target vacuum in Cleveland. Donovan Peoples-Jones is such a sneaky stash right now. And if you're looking for a floor play as opposed to a ceiling play, well, eight more targets for Russell Gage. And Calvin Ridley is eligible to return from IR, but there is no indication from Atlanta that he's ready to return. Something is not right with Calvin Ridley. I'm not expecting him back anytime soon. And that means Russell Gage will continue to be the target leader in Atlanta. He's been highly volatile, but more often than not, he's going to go out and command seven to eight targets. Last year, 110 targets, sharing a field with both Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones for half the season. And yet, Russell Gage is widely available on waiver wires. The schedule eases now. Now they have the New England game in their rearview mirror. So Russell Gage and Peoples-Jones are sneaky pickups on the waiver wire, as is Josiah DeGora. Oh, Josiah, Josiah DeGora. Above average athleticism across the board, and he was a dominant producer at Cincinnati. I didn't agree with the Packers drafting him in the third round because they already had Robert Tunyon, and he was undersized. DeGora was 200 
And 35 pounds when they drafted him, he's now beefed up to 242. So as he continues to gain weight, it positions him well to command more and more targets. But he was a dominant producer in college. 66th percentile burst, 68th percentile straight line speed. He is a pass catcher first, a blocker second, and that's what you want at the tight end position. So in deep leagues, you need tight end. DeGore only commanded two targets. Now, he did score the touchdown, unfortunately, and it was impressive, but the fantasy point total still relatively muted. You should be able to get DeGora. I doubt many will pick him up, but he is incredibly attractive, especially in tight end premium. And in Dynasty, because because based on when Robert Tunyon tore his ACL, he's not going to be 100% to start next season. It's the Josea DeGora show in Green Bay at the tight end position. Now, I'm not boner level excited, but I'm excited. So those are your takeaways. That's who you need to be picking up on the waiver wire. And speaking of boners, this show is brought to you by Blue Chew. These are chewable tablets that give you the same active ingredients as Viagra and... Cialis. It just gives you more confidence. It's what you need. Blue Chew has an index of licensed physicians that you can consult with before going to bluechew.com and ordering online. And the beauty is use promo code underworld and you get 50% off your first order. 50% off your first order with promo code underworld to get that extra confidence. And it's not just confidence. It's inspiring. It inspires you to be romantic in a way that your partner will truly appreciate. Do you know I know what I'm talking about? You know I'm the king of romance. BlueChew.com, promo code UNDERWORLD. BlueChew.com, promo code UNDERWORLD. Now, my man Jacob Sanderson is making his debut on the Mind of Mansion program. Be sure to follow him at FF underscore RTDB on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio Program. One of the most trusted analysts in the underworld. The coolest nerd on the block. I mean, this guy brings his spreadsheets with his backwards hat. I'm talking about Jacob Sanderson. Talk to me. Man, that level of energy at 8 a.m. and West Coast time, that gets me out of bed in the morning, baby. That's that's ready to go. I'm yeah. ready to talk some football. I'm ready to grind. Uh, we got we got the coffee going here. I was talking to your stream while you were in the bathroom, maybe washing your hands. Uh, the new maybe. French press that I just bought. We're we're ready to go, man. I'm I'm ready to rock. The sun just rose out here in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. Uh, I'm ready to talk about Ramondre Stevenson. I'm ready to talk about. Uh, all of looking back at our draft strategies. I'm ready to talk about all of the beautiful takes in the underworld this summer. We got way right and way wrong and breakdown. I'm I'm pumped, man. This is gonna be a fun show. Whoa, 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 whoa! I don't know about way wrong. No way wrong. No, I, I don't know about that. The background on my phone, you can't really see it. You can't really see okay. it. The background on my phone, my wallpaper on my phone, is a sunset in Vancouver. Oh. The sunset in Vancouver, man. I mean, it was it was just it was uh, it was a moment. I was I was just walking in in Vancouver and along the water, and the sun was setting, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is a moment right here. This is a romantic moment." It was a romantic moment alone in Vancouver. Wow, I had the most romantic moment alone 
my entire life in Vancouver, British Columbia. When were you in Vancouver? It was many years ago. Many, many decades ago. It was wonderful. I love I love Vancouver. It's it's the greatest city. It is the greatest city, truly. I like Vancouver. I like Toronto. I like Montreal. Those are the three cities I've been to. I like them all. Look, man, the Podfather is always welcome in the Great White North, man. Uh, it's we're a welcoming country. You know, America is in turbulent times, uh, and if, if ever if ever there's a safe place of refuge, just consider your beautiful hat up north, Canada. You know, we have we have Canadian Football League. We have nine teams that play football uh, <laughs> in the CFL. You could you could create a player profiler for the CFL. Uh, we could get Larky to do DFS Dominator. You can play CFL DraftKings. You actually can do that. That's a real thing, by the way. Amazing. Um, you know, there's fortunes to be made here up, up in Canada. I've been to Cape Breton Island. Oh, lovely. I've never even been to Cape Breton Island. It's 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 quite the drive. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite the drive. I remember I took a flight into Halifax. Yeah. Right. And I was like, OK, so I'm going to fly into Halifax from Boston. Not a big deal. Right? Then I'll just Uber from there. And they're like, oh, no, it, you know, you know, it's two hours from the air. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't know. Like the distances in Canada. It's like when you go to Texas, like the distances are just <laughs> disproportionate to other states. Right. Well, we have uh, we have 33 million people, which is about a tenth the size of the U.S., and we're the second largest landmass country in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I felt it. I I, I felt that yeah. feeling of wait a second, what? It's how how long is the shuttle trip? What? <laughs> I'm originally from Winnipeg, which for people who don't know, it's about six to eight hours north of Minneapolis, directly north. And when I went to law school out here in Vancouver, right, we drove out to Vancouver, and the the drive from Winnipeg to Vancouver is usually about six to eight hours of nothing, right, and and then you see a city, and then it's six to eight hours of nothing, and then you see a city, and then it's nothing, and then a city. What is it, like a 20-hour drive? Uh, yeah, it's more than that, actually. It's much this is what I'm talking about. That. This is it's, what I'm talking about. It's half the country. Like, the only thing that differentiates the drive is the type of crop you see. So, you know, at the beginning, it's a lot of canola, right? And then you get into, okay, now we're, now it's just cows, right? You're just driving and, oh, to your right, I see cows. To my left, I see cows. Uh, and then, you know, eventually there's salmon start to come into the mix. Oh, wow, salmon on the road, huh? Yeah, well, actually, we're having immense flooding right now in British Columbia. Oh, no, too close to home. And... And uh, I was talking to my roommate, who, by the way, really loves when I do podcasts at 7.30 in the morning. She's a big fan of this. Uh, I was talking to to her. Her her hometown is out on the island. And she said the flooding got so bad that the parking lot at the grocery store was full of fish because the fish were in the river and it flooded into the parking lot. Too soon. Too soon, Podfather. Too soon for a fish on the street joke. And also, the Canada landmass is exaggerated by the map, right? Because when you flatten yeah. the globe, it makes the Northern Territory look bigger than it actually is. It's kind of unfair. You, you don't have that much land. I know you have a lot more land than we do, but I mean, it, the, the, <laughs> the, the flat map exaggerates it, right? I mean, it, it's, it's an optical illusion. Yeah, the flat map for sure, it stretches out our glaciers, right? Right. I mean, you guys aren't that big. The thing is in the north, like there's not a lot of people up there, right? So, so there's, but it, it really, really hammers the point home. I mean, 
in Manitoba, for instance, like Man- Manitoba is a larger landmass, my home province, than any state in America other than Alaska, I believe. Might even be larger than Alaska. I'm, I'm actually not 100% sure of that. Uh, it probably is, especially when you look at it on the flat map. We have 1.2 million people in the province. We have 800,000 of them in my home city of Winnipeg. And so in the entire rest of this landmass, we only have 400,000 people. Yeah, this is why they hosted the show Alone in Canada. (laughs) Most seasons of Alone, the show, which I love, are hosted in Canada, on Victoria Island, or in the Northwest Territory. (laughs) A lot of of room for your thoughts, man. (laughs) Yeah, man, I, I, I know. Listen, I know Cape Breton Island. I know... What it's called the Great Slave Lake, right? I know yeah. all these places in Canada. I'm a big Canada fan. I'm not a big Ramondre Stevenson fan. Oh, now, oh, oh, now we get into it. Now we get into the real stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is the transition, right? The segue that only I can really. I mean, is anyone better at segues? Not really. Is it because Ramondre Stevenson is also a big landmass? Yes, yes. Ramondre Stevenson is this big, <laughs> you know, uh, optical illusion level landmass that so many believe is just his dynasty valuation as a runaway train at this point and i'm just selling whatever i have even though i don't have any in the first place i should have drafted him in the third and fourth round it would have been a good pick right you could flip him but he'd be a great player to flip right now and i would flip him and there's no bad time to flip Ramadre Stevenson. Want to trade him this week? Fine. Want to trade him in two weeks? Fine. But eventually, you're going to want to trade this guy while he's young. Have you ever tried to flip a 246 pound running back? Like it's it's harder than trying to tip a cow in in you know Alberta. It's not easy to do. People love him. People think that he's the next <laughs> guy in New England. He's a bell cow. Hey, oh, is it out? <laughs> you're you're trying to tip a bell cow? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I. uh I like Ramondre Stevenson more than you. Um, I think that he provides a skill set that that is fantasy friendly, right? Now, do I think he's ever going to be an RB1? Probably not, right? For a couple reasons. Number one, he's slow. Well, LeGarrette Blunt was one year. Y- yeah, he was. But I would say that chasing the LeGarrette Blunt profile will lead you astray more often than not. That's that's my point. I just wanted to make sure that you made the argument for me that chasing that mythical 18 touchdown season from a LeGarrette Blunt is not the way to go. Right. And and you know you know people figured that out because I set up my own argument here is people chase the 2016 LeGarrette Blunt season. Who did they chase that with? They chased it with a guy named Mike Gillisley in 2017, right? Mike Gillisley, he was brought in post Blunt had three touchdowns the opening week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody oh, said, we've got him. Right. New Blunt. That's New Blunt. That's almost as many touchdowns as Jonas Gray had. Almost as many. And then his role diminished, right? His role steadily diminished. He even became a healthy and active. And what happened in the later portion of the season was a split between two running backs and this was the most valuable the New England backfield has been in a while because it was only a two-back split. It was Deion Lewis, and it was Rex Burkhead. And this is the guy that I've always compared Stevenson to is my man, Flex Burkhead. Burkhead that year had such a nice fantasy-friendly role because he combined two things we want in fantasy. He got all the high-value touches. He got goal line work. He got receiving work. Here's, here's this Burkhead run. 
Week 8 against the Chargers, 15 fantasy points. Week 10 against the Broncos, 15 fantasy points. Then down to 7, then 19, 25, 16, 9. He was an every-week starter. He was getting you between 5 to 12 carries, and then he was getting between 3 to 7 catches, and he had a full monopoly of the goal line role. And that's what I love about Stevenson is he's a guy in this Patriots backfield where you can't rely on volume in the Pats backfield because they're going to use multiple guys. They use guys for certain roles. But if you have a guy in Stevenson who has the ability to create value with the pass game and near the goal line, he doesn't need the high level volume because he can see the empty calorie Devin Singletary type carries between the twenties. He's going to get the touches that we want. And I believe that he can do that. First of all, he has the size we all know, right? So it makes sense to forecast him into that goal. Line. He's the size of a Canadian province. He is the size of Canadian province. He's the size of, of a moose. If you would, there's no chance that you would ever slander Ramondre Stevenson to his face. He would, he would stomp on you. No, no, that's not his name. Say this man's name correctly. It's Ramondre Stevenson. No, it's Ramanitoba Stevenson. <laughs> Ramanitoba Stevenson. Yeah, Ramanitoba Saskatchewan. It's, he's a, he's oh a great. Oh my God. <laughs> Here, here's why I like Stevenson. Uh, in college, his profile was was interesting. He was he was fourth in the class in, in, evade, in evading tackle rate. Now, that's a little bit misleading because, of course, he doesn't have the breakaway speed, right? So you, you can fall into that Royce Freeman, Mike Davis type trap where you have a guy who's very good at evading tackles and then gets tackled two yards later because he can't run away from anybody. But he was also second in the class in yards per route run. And his receiving target shares don't look as huge, right? He played in Oklahoma. He missed some games in there. He ended up splitting time in the backfield. But when he was using the receiving game, he was efficient. And we've seen that carry over. He already has 12 catches. Damian Harris has 16 catches in his career. He's in year three. He's already got 12 catches a season for Stevenson. Mm. We saw him in that Dallas game be used creatively. I, I think this is true. I think that it's it's clear Stevenson is a better receiver than Damian Harris. Right. If you look at the extrapolated college target share on playerprofiler.com, we extrapolate. He only played six games in his final season at Oklahoma. 7.7% college target share is 61st percentile. On the other hand, Damian Harris had a season with more total catches, but it was in 15 games on an Alabama team that was scoring a lot of points with a lot of possessions. Right. Like his sample, the Stevenson sample, that was like, you know, that's like Connecticut up here, right? Whereas Harris, he had a Manitoba-sized sample size to rack up all these catches, you know? And and here, what was he putting up, right? He was he was putting up moderate Winnipegian totals versus, oh boy. you know, Stevenson's Hartford-esque oh, uh, pilots of stats. You know there was a hockey team named the Hartford Whalers at one point. Oh, of course I know there's hockey. I'm from Canada. You think I don't know about hockey? I want to get a jersey. That's, that's one of the cool throwback hockey jerseys oh, yeah. of all time. My first ever video game was NHL 95 for Sega Genesis, and it had all of these different teams. It had the Hartford Whalers were there, the Quebec Nordique, and of course, you know, my hometown team, the first version of the Winnipeg Jets before they left. Temu Solani. Yeah, Temu Solani, Teppo Newmanen, Dale Howarchuk. Hockey's the best, man. I, I, I could talk about hockey for two hours. Well, I only know those NHL games. NHL... 94, 95, I know those games very well because we were, we were addicted. In high school, we were addicted. I just aged myself. Don't do the math on that. Don't, no one do the math on that, damn it. <laughs> Don't do the math on that. But so here's, it's complicated with Ramondre Stevenson. It's very complicated with Ramondre Stevenson. But this is why you tune into this show. 
Ramondre Stevenson is a sell, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't a good pick in Dynasty Rookie Drafts. He was. You generally want to draft running backs in round three and round four in Dynasty Rookie Drafts. And you can just go back and look at the results from 2021. That's where Elijah Mitchell was drafted. That's where Ramondre Stevenson was drafted. That's where Kenny Gainwell was drafted. All of those running backs have flashed this year at some level and have increased their dynasty value. In some cases, in Ramondre Stevenson's case in particular, he's tripled his dynasty value with his role because he could have just been a slug at the NFL level, never used, and flushed out of the league as so many day three players are, but he wasn't, and one of the reasons why you're excited to actually pick up Ramadre Stevenson in seasonal leagues. Like if I could get Ramadre Stevenson in the Scott fishbowl, I would want him because he's a quality receiver. And if anything happens to Damian Harris, he would get all the goal line carries as well. And his role would be fringe RB one in that case, just like LeGarrette Blunt was an RB one in 2016. Right, you were very happy that you drafted Legarrette Blunt oh, in 2016. It was a good play, right? Great you play. got more than you could have ever expected from Legarrette Blunt. And if you have Ramondre Stevenson, you don't have to trade him now in Dynasty, but you should consider what you can get for him. Whereas in seasonal leagues, you're just going to ride it out. You're going to enjoy it. Ramondre is not a must trade in Dynasty, but he's a must put on the block. Right. Because you never know what you're going to get. Right. You have to put you have to at least put your line in the water and see. Right. People love players like this. If you have if you're a big back who likes who can truck opposing defenders, but also has these dump offs that he can take for 40 yards, like big plays in the passing game, even though it's just a couple targets. If he's showing people big plays in the it gets it it gets people excited, especially rookies. When a rookie can deliver big plays it disproportionately affects their perception in dynasty. Oh, for sure. And especially at the running back position. I mean, I I was going through my dynasty running back rankings and I got through like six names before I was like, man, I don't want these dudes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's the point is that longer term Ramondre Stevenson running a four seven is not going to be an anchor building block asset for dynasty you have to know that he'll never be a building block asset for dynasty but when you're putting him on the block you're hoping to trade him to someone who views him as a building block asset no one ever viewed Legarrette blunt as a building block asset with the patriots because he was already 28 years old at the time he had been on tampa he had been on tennessee before he landed in new england ramondre stevenson is a rookie so he has that special rookie quality that only the young players have in dynasty where they just have that extra value, especially after a a big impressive performance. So I would not want this season to expire with Ramondre Stevenson on my roster. The problem is in most dynasty leagues, the trade deadline is now. Yeah. The time is now you, you talked about it. Uh, in, in I can't remember if this was our pre-show, our pre-pre-show, our pre-pre-pre-pre-show, but you talked about flying, well, what you thought was flying to Cape Breton Island, right? And then you had to dock at Halifax, and you had to make a long, arduous drive 
through through the the barren country of Canada to Cape Breton. I, I, I when I agreed to go to that wedding, I didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah, you you went to celebrate love, and instead you spent a lot of time on the road. And then we drove back to Maine, and it was six hours. See, this is like nothing to me. People always talk about this in Canada. You know, I guess maybe it's because we use the metric system. Maybe we measure time differently. I don't know, but these things just don't even sound that. These things sound normal to me. Here, here's the point. I have a point. You might not – I have a point with this Cape Breton Island story. This is the tale of woe with these running backs, right? We talked early. You want to grab these running backs in round three and round four in rookie drafts, right? Why? Why? Because in the second round when you're looking at running back versus receiver, you're looking at really good receiver prospects versus fairly questionable running back prospects that are being propped up by the projection of volume, right? A Michael Carter who has worked out so far, a Trey Sermon who has absolutely not worked out so far. And then you get down the list, right? These round three, round four running backs, it's not like we're saying at the time that they're better than the round two running backs. It's more just, okay, these guys are just as questionable. They have some skills that we can latch on to, but because they don't have the projected workload, right, we can take them and we can take a quick flight, you know, to be able to increase our value of our roster. But now what do we do, right, when that increase in value comes? Because with a Ramondre Stevenson, right, the path is usually not that clear. You can't take the flight, a direct flight on the Ramondre Stevenson airline all the way to winning Dynasty League Championship Island, right? You have to figure out when to get off. And if you get off too early, right, if you had traded for a third-round pick after the Dallas game, now you got to drive six hours to the wedding, right? You didn't get as close as you could have gotten. Now we're all the way to Halifax. We're only two hours away from the wedding. Now is the time. Right? Now is the time. It's probably time to say, okay, you know what? Can I really land this plane on this little, you know, I'll use centimeters because we're in Canada, airport strip up by Cape Breton? Land the plane, man! Land now! Right. If you keep pushing, you have this tiny airport strip. You might end up with your plane in the Atlantic Ocean. Right. That's where it might go. Or you pull into Halifax. Okay, I got to drive two hours. It's fine. I've got a hit on an early second round pick. That's okay. We can do this. We can make that drive. That's when you sell. That's when you sell. And we are veering very, very close to the sell season for Ramondre Stevenson because we now saw him produce with the lead back role and we saw him demonstrate on national TV that he can maintain a legitimate role with Damian Harris, right? So people's questions, they were like, is he just going to completely fade to oblivion? Now they know, okay, he's not going to fade into oblivion. Now what's the upside, right? Is he actually going to be an RB one? No, he's Ramondre Stevenson land the plane. Yeah. He was 23 years old when he entered the NFL draft, and he couldn't eclipse 700 rushing yards in college. Now, I know that he didn't play in that many games, but we're talking about an old rookie that was not particularly productive at the college level, but he has an impressive skill set for a running back of his size, just like Royce Freeman had an impressive skill set for a running back of his size. It's just that Royce Freeman was used as a true bell cow and is one of the most productive running backs in the history of the NFL, And if Royce Freeman had gone to New England or any team with a gap blocking scheme instead of a zone blocking scheme, well, we would think of him totally differently. His dynasty value would have crested 100 lifetime value points on player profiler at one point. I'm sure of it. But because he was never put in a position to succeed, we don't view Royce Freeman as being good at football, you know, as being a good football player, Mm -hmm. even though I contend that he was. This is the sliding doors phenomenon in the NFL where good players 
can be betrayed by the teams that draft them. It happens time and time and time again. We thought this was going to happen with Damian Harris, but they decided, no, we're going we're gonna to use him as a workhorse, at least for the first half, and he has another year left on his contract. So mm-hmm. unless he gets injured, Ramadre Stevenson and he are going to be dueling banjos in that backfield for the next year and a half. And Ramadre Stevenson doesn't have the first, second, or third round draft capital that would lead you to believe, okay, this team is going to invest multiple seasons in this player. They could easily draft a running back in round three next year. So these are all the possibilities, the future possibilities that could degrade the Ramadre Stevenson lifetime value rating on playerprofiler.com. And when you look at the top 10 running backs in Dynasty, they're either these box-stuffing bell cows. And I'm talking about not just Najee Harris and Jonathan Taylor, but also Javante Williams, Mm -hmm. Joe Mixon, Ezekiel Elliott, Cam Akers. He spent some time in the top 10 before he was injured. J.K. Dobbins. Well, these players all have something in common. Incredible size-adjusted athleticism and dominant college resumes. Stevenson has neither. You just don't see these types of running backs make it into that tier. So if he's essentially been capped out, if he's maxed out his valuation, run the thought experiment. How far can he take this? And he can't take it that much farther. So at that point, you can feel comfortable selling. Yep. I, I agree, right? I, I think you look at it the same way you know, you, that I looked at a Michael Carter in the rookie draft, right? I looked at Michael Carter. I was like, okay, I think he's a good player. You know, he can catch some passes. He can do some things. But is a running back who runs a 4-6 you know, and is small, is this a guy who's ever going to be a cornerstone asset of my dynasty team? I don't see any of those players at the top of the dynasty rankings. They don't exist. They don't exist. If you weren't super productive in college, if you were sharing a backfield like Alvin Kamara was at Tennessee with Jalen Hurd, you have to be an exceptional size-adjusted athlete with incredible receiving chops. If you have that going for you, then okay. You have a ticket into that tier. Otherwise, it's it's not going to happen. We just don't have examples of these guys doing it. You don't, right? Like, look at, remember Giovanni Bernard, like back in 2014, 2013, everybody got super excited. Oh, that's right? a great comp. That's a great comp. And they both were at North Carolina. That, what a great, wow. Oh, I, I, I gave myself a lot of pride for historical comps pulled out of the air. That was good. That geo comp what? was good. We had we had Ben Jarvis Green Ellis is the Tevin Coleman right he was there okay he quickly faded and then look they had no choice they Giovanni Bernard was the best running back on their team they let him be a running back that he wasn't right he was a satellite back they gave him extra opportunities and everyone oh my god he's gonna elevate and then what happened right Jeremy Hill happened okay then Jeremy Hill faded then what happens Joe Mixon happened. Things happen to these players, right? You can't say when, you can't say who, but like we're not going to ever wake up. But a guy with the Joe Mixon box-stuffing profile, he sticks around and commands a second contract and becomes the bell cow. But we're never going to wake up in a world in 2022 or 2023, I don't think, where you know Michael Carter is seeing 20 carries and five targets every game. It's not going to happen. Right? It's not going to happen for a Michael Carter. That's why you don't draft a Michael Carter at the opportunity cost of a Rashad Bateman or a Devontae Smith. That's why you don't hold 
Ramondre Stevenson at the opportunity cost of, you know, say someone you can draft with that kind of pick in the 2022 draft, like a Drake London or a David Bell or a Garrett Wilson, right? You get out now and then you attach yourself, right? I mean, Tra- look, I am single-handedly raising the ADP of Traylon Burks in these player profiler mock drafts that Cody Carpentier sends around. Every time I, I log into Gmail, I see an invite. Cody says, oh, did anybody want to do a mock draft? I say, I want to do a mock draft. And then and then all I do is I log in. They say, Jacob, OTC. And then I go in I, and I go Traylon Burks. Woo! Oh, what, where am I Where am I at today? Oh, I'm at the 109, Traylon Burks. Oh, I'm in the 106, Traylon Burks. Uh, I'm... I am boosting, Love right? It. Like, like, like Sisyphus pushing a rock up a hill. Yes, the Sisyphus reference. Oh, look at you! Historical references, and I am pushing him with all oh, of my power God. up the hill, closer and closer towards the top of our player profiler mock drafting database. Uh, I'm planting my flag very early. Traylon Burks is going to be on so many of my dynasty teams in 2022. I'm, I'm excited about that guy. Just instant improvised comps that are just perfectly apropos historical references geographic reference points i'm impressed man you're good at podcasting you're speaking my language baby this is what you got to do you got to blend greek theology with giovanni bernard that's the key to fantasy football podcasting and you have to align your sensibilities with the person you're talking to. It's almost like you've read how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> I, I haven't, but I, I'll tell you what I have done. I've, I've listened to a lot of mind, the mansion podcasts. In my oh, life. there, well there, <laughs> yeah. there, yeah. there, there. And, and if you had, then you would have had Jonathan Taylor posted up as the one Oh one in dynasty startups for a year, right? He's the King He's and the McCaffrey is back. It doesn't matter. Jonathan Taylor is years younger than Christian McCaffrey and is smashing at a similar level. So Christian McCaffrey's never going to be the RB1 in Dynasty ever again. This is the the great clock. The only player that I've seen that has reversed time, the time-space continuum, is Tom Brady. He's the only one. Yeah, he's the only one. He has done it, though, which is absolutely incredible. From where I sit, processing and managing these dynasty lifetime value ratings. Tom Brady has this special quality with me that I appreciate. Unlike any other, it's something else. He's like you, man, right? You're, you know, it's a, you have this enterprise of young up and coming, uh, analysts entering the underworld with backwards hats. And yet, you know, here you sit right here. You sit, being able to keep up and innovate, you know, even at a ripe old age, you, you know, Tom Brady and yourself, you you eat a lot of nuts, I imagine. I do. I, I ate uh, raw pistachios. That's the key, man. That's the key. You eat the nuts. You stay atop the dynasty rankings, even, you know, e- even at an advanced age, for sure. Can you believe it, though? Can you believe these analysts announcing that, oh, after week eight, Jonathan Taylor is the RB1 in fantasy? For Dynasty. Right, right, right. right. Like, it's a big announcement. After week nine. Oh, big announcement, guys. Right. We have Jonathan Taylor now as the Dynasty RB1. Do you know when I moved Jonathan Taylor to Dynasty RB1? When? When, when, a, cart, when a cart came out for Marlon Mack. There you go. There you go. <laughs> like, at that there point, you go. it's like, what are we going to do? But still, I mean, <laughs> so it's great to see running backs completely smashing and being the true difference makers that 
Jonathan Taylor has become and that Christian McCaffrey has been looking back at our draft strategies from the summer was zero RB superior to hero RB. You know, it's a weird year for draft strategies. And I I was going to actually, I was going to write a big Twitter thread about this. And I was so glad it's on the show sheet because I can't think of a year where draft strategies have been less influenced by what you do in the first two rounds, right? Like for the most part, the first two rounds have been filled with disappointment. I mean, we mentioned Jonathan Taylor. He's been a smashing success, averaging over 20 fantasy points per game. Well, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Austin Eckler, a handful of running backs in the first two rounds have been difference makers. I'm going to push back on Eckler and Harris. I, I think that they have been difference makers this year because scoring is down early. But like relative to last year, relative to most years, I mean, they're still under 20 points per game. They're, they're still performing at the level that you'd see, you know, moderately above expected win rates. I think what's interesting about all these strategies, whether it's hero RB, zero RB, robust RB, like what do they all have in common? They have the letters RB, right? They're all centered around how many running backs are you taking and when are you taking them? And this year, I think that what's missed is that if you just look at the running back landscape, Right, and you forget about the wide receivers, the tight ends. I, I think it's actually shaped up pretty well from a zero RB perspective because you look early in the draft, right? Oh, yeah. Christian McCaffrey got hurt, right? Christian McCaffrey got hurt. Henry looked like he was the big difference maker. That obviously he got hurt. He's, he's done, you know. And then you have, you know, like guys like Zeke has been fine. He's not. He's not smashing worlds. He's fine. Kamara has been fine. Cook's been fine and hurt, right? It's just a lot of guys who've either been fine or hurt or bad, right? The issue is. As you look at the wide receiver tab. Uh, by the way, I didn't see Calvin Ridley being the biggest flame out in the first two rounds. That I didn't see coming. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm not a giant Calvin Ridley enthusiast, but I at least thought he was a pretty safe pick. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm happy to say that my lifelong fade of Calvin Ridley has finally paid off after years of pain. Uh, I was too low on him in the draft. Uh, he's been a falling knife for me for forever. I, I had him wide receiver four in his class. I was dead wrong. Then I was too low on him the second year. I was too low on him in his third year, and the knife continued to fall. And every time I admitted I was wrong, he went further. Finally, this year, you know, I was able to catch the knife uh, and, and avoided Calvin Ridley. My, my concern with the issue with the zero RB this year has been that you know, okay, so you avoided these landmines at running back, right? And I drafted a lot of zero RB teams. Right, and you avoided a lot of these landmines running back. The issue was the payoff has just not been there on the wide receivers. There's only the only two players averaging over 20 points per game in the first two rounds are Tyreek Hill and Jonathan Taylor. So the only wide receiver really that you could have taken to this point, at least, and we'll see what happens in playoffs, that would have been able to overshadow running backs like Harris and Eckler, who are performing really well but not traditionally breaking leagues, right, would be a Tyreek Hill. If you drafted a Travis Kelsey, if you drafted Devontae Adams, if you drafted a Stephon Diggs, you know, they've been sort of underwhelming. They've been performing on a similar level. No, but but Kelsey has been a competitive advantage because the tight end position around him has also underwhelmed. It's not like George Kittle's played many games and Darren Waller's missed expectations. The, The issue, I think, with the tight end, I mean, I drafted a lot of Kelsey early. He's, he's about five points per game less than he was last year. And there are later tight ends, right? Like, if realistically, if you just do the 2v2, right? Like, if you took Mike Isicki in round 11 and, you know, Tyree Kill in round one, you're happier than if you took 
Travis Kelsey in round one and I, I don't know any wide round 11 wide receiver Rondale Moore Brian Edwards Terrence any of those guys right I I think Kelsey's been fine just a lot of players round one and two have been fine I think the the issue is where you needed to take the wide receivers really this year has been with the exception of DeAndre Swift he's been the lone the lone exception in that in the classic running back dead zone and to a lesser extent Daryl Henderson right where you need to take the wide receivers were you know Cooper Cup he's a guy you know he's a guy you need to have Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, and it looked like maybe Mike Williams, not anymore. But, you know, those are those guys. Remember, Jamar Chase was falling into the sixth round on underdog in exactly. late August. So the, the thing is, you can draft those guys with like a variety of, of strategies. Yeah, Debo was a seventh rounder. Right, you could have gone running back, running back, then drafted all those wide receivers. You could have gone zero RB and drafted all those wide receivers. If you've somehow drafted David Montgomery and you've survived and you're competitive to this point david montgomery is poised to smash in the second half like he did last year he's well set up he's yeah. well set up but yeah. to this point i mean oh my god the schedule has got the, the the alfred morris corollary now with a rushing quarterback i like how it sets up for david montgomery the rest of the way oh perfectly positioned by week two to get fully healthy i mean when we talk about best ball in particular the the best guys that you want on a best ball tournament like best ball mania are guys who have performed poorly for most of the year, but then have the ability to perform really, really well at the end of the year. Right. Because like a Cooper cup is go- is your golden ticket to the best ball mania playoff rounds, but it's very unlikely. He'll be the reason why you win a million dollars because what are you going to do? You're going to get in, right. You're going to do the best ball mania speed dating in the playoff rounds. You're going to meet all your new competitors and you're going to see 12 other Cooper Cup teams <laughs> because they all have Cooper Cup. Yes, in Best Ball Mania, you want to make the tournament, the second round, the next round of the tournament without Cooper Cup. That's the key. Right. Like Just, Justin Herzig won Best Ball Mania last year because he was the only person in the final to have Alvin Kamara, right? So so the best the best position players, like if you if you're able to advance a Christian McCaffrey team, right? That's the biggest advantage right now in, in best ball, right? It's like I have this player who's probably going to be VRB1, right? Projected to be VRB1 in the best yes. ball playoffs. Yes. But he's probably going to have an advance rate of like 3% because he got hurt, right? So if you drafted Christian McCaffrey, if you also found a way to get either Leonard Fournette or James Conner late. I, I have a team with McCaffrey, James Conner, DeAndre Swift, and it's in first in its division. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. And because Smith and Connor have been holding this team together, right? And this team also has Debo Samuel. Uh, you know, this team, it's, it's like I'm looking at this team. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I just got to get this thing. I just got to get McCaffrey back, right? And all of a sudden, you know, now it's now it's happening. It's like, okay, we're, we're ready to rock and roll here. On your original question, though, I, I think that the— This is a long answer. It is, but we we gave it tangenting. I, I think if I think looking back in hindsight, your your best your best bet was probably the hero RB approach, right? In hindsight, at least, where you get the one elite running back, and hopefully it was Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> and then right, and then you're able to fill out with all these different wide receivers. Even Joe Mixon, even Joe Mixon, you're happy with hero RB. Yeah, you're okay. 
And then you circle back and you take these running backs late. Because here's the interesting thing. There's a lot of different ingredients, like I was saying, that set up really well for zero RB year, right? The early running backs, mostly disappointing. And then you get all of these late running backs, right? Like you get a Devontae Booker has been really good (laughs) if you drafted him. Daryl Williams has been super useful. Elijah Mitchell, of course. All these different guys, right? And sort of the interesting thing is that the guys that you needed from the running back perspective, these late guys, and then these wide receivers that went in the mid-rounds, all of these guys were guys that were eligible for any draft strategy, right? Like the Debo, Chase, Cup were available equally to running back early drafters and zero RB drafters. The running backs you needed late were available equally. The difference is in the utility, right? So if you drafted running backs early, the utility of a Debo Samuel, of a Cooper Cup, and a Jamar Chase is higher because instead of competing with Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, right, and diluting the production of your other wide receivers, they're more necessary. And then on the other side, these late running backs, right, the utility of a Cordero Patterson, Elijah Mitchell, Devontae Booker is higher if you drafted only one early running back or none because you have to use these points, right? If you, if you drafted a Zeke and a Joe Mixon and a David Montgomery, right? It's like you forewent wide receivers earlier. You have all these running backs. Okay, even if you hit on the running backs late, it's like, where are they slotting in your lineup? How much of an advantage are you getting? Yeah, that's why the, the aggressive robust RB is not ever optimal because it crowds out the possibility of picking up one of these starting running backs on the waiver wire because they come available every week from yeah. Elijah Mitchell through Daryl Williams. Absolutely. My, my favorite approach this year was was Hero RB, and generally I was focused on on just a few guys, right? I, I was focused on Taylor. Um, I was focused on Gibson, which has not worked out. Uh, I was focused on Swift, which has been great, especially at cost. I mean, you get Swift in like round four. So you have teams with Taylor Swift. Yeah, I mean, and they just released a new album. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah! My Taylor, can I say this? My look Taylor at Swift you. Teams, look at look at you. So quick on the uptake with that. I can't get a pun past you, Jacob Sanderson. No, you cannot get a pun past me. My my father is a uh, is, is a newspaper writer and writes headlines. He's been he's been a pun expert for fifty nine years. There's no chance that you can get a pun past me. I, I've been well trained from a young age to diagnose a pun. Yeah, well, you know, if Taylor Swift drafted a fantasy team, she probably, I'm guessing, probably would have gone Tyreek Hill, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Swift. That's the nut start. Yeah, she's killing it. That's the Taylor Swift. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm unsure why she even went back into the studio to launch a new album because she's going to get so much money from her best ball teams. Right. <laughs> yeah, she's going to win best ball mania. Like your 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 dream start if you could recreate it right it's you take Tyree Kill in the first round then you take Jonathan Taylor in the second right and then you take yeah you 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 take Cup and one of the box wide receivers right so either Cup Godwin or Cup Evans um, and then you look at probably Mark Andrews you know in the five six turn stacked with Lamar Jackson well don't forget remember Chase was falling into the sixth round when Chase was falling into the sixth round Swift was also falling into the fifth round and Josh Larkey was all in on Swift and his strategy turns out to be the best strategy so the Josh Larkey strategy was as follows go have fun right go have fun if you go to the world famous draft kit and you click on the draft strategy video 
I recorded that after talking to Josh. I was like, Josh, what am I going to say in the draft strategy video? What should I say to the people? He's like, go have fun. And I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's it. And draft good players. I was like, oh, is that it really? He's like, pretty much this year, that's all you need to do. And now he's you know above expectation making the next round of all these tournaments on underdog. Yeah, the, especially on DraftKings, man. Like DraftKings – was a full PPR site. I, I put out a tweet in late August. I said that Gus Edwards, I mean, look, he's been hurt, but I think we all know how this would have gone anyway. Uh, I said Gus Edwards going ahead of DeAndre Swift on a full PPR site is a crime against humanity. Did that happen? That didn't happen. Yeah, his, his ADP on DraftKings was higher than DeAndre Swift's. DeAndre Swift's ADP was actually lower on DraftKings than on Underdog. He was, he was a fourth-round pick. I mean, I, I went, I was primarily drafting on Underdog. Because I, I actually prefer drafting against sharper drafters because it makes the room more predictable, which makes stacking easier. And just the app is so much better. The whole experience. Underdog is just the GOAT fantasy draft platform. It's really unbelievable like how well the thing performs. Just the slickness and the speed. And the reason why there's an Underdog logo on this show is because... It's so good. Like if it was a mediocre platform, if it was not well designed and well executed, I wouldn't be out in front waving the underdog flag. I wouldn't have a little dog in the spaceship on my mural behind me (laughs) with Nate Liss, but I do for a reason. It's that good. Underdogfantasy.com, underdogfantasy.com, promo code underworld, promo code underworld. It's elite. It's great. It's Jonathan Taylor of Fantasy. They are the Jonathan Taylor of fantasy platforms. Now, give us another take from this summer that you just knocked completely out of the park. The most prescient take of the summer from Jacob Sanderson. Yeah, for for me, I did the series on uh, lessons from DFS tournaments to best ball tournaments. Yeah, you wrote that series on Player Profiler in the article section. Absolutely. Go check that out on Player Profiler. Absolutely. Uh, A great website. You should visit again and again and again. It's a pretty popular website nowadays. Pretty good website. Things are working out. <laughs> and, you know, I got I got plenty of things. I got plenty of micro things that, that are beautiful to look back on, right? We talked about why Ty Johnson was a great round 18 pick. We talked yeah. about why you should never draft Nicole Hardman ever in your life. Uh, and <laughs> he sucks. Uh, but also, the most important thing I think we talked about really was... You think people that, that like Nicole Hardman, are they going to be drafting Tutu Atwell next year? They, they, they can't wait for Tutu Atwell to come back from that torn ACL. They're so excited to draft Tutu Atwell. I mean, is that really? I mean, really? McCall Hardman, really? Of all the players in the player pool, we've received the most pushback for our refusal to bump Mikol Hardman up the dynasty rankings. That's insane. It's crazy. It, it was Mikol Hardman, and then before that, it was Julio Jones because... We refused mm. to move up. We were saying, Julio Jones still has a couple years left. You all are ageists. Why is Julio Jones pushed down so far? And we're like, listen, history, the history of players with Julio Jones profile is terrifying. We're going to get Tom Brady wrong, right? We were too low on Tom Brady for years in our dynasty rankings. You could argue they're still too low. We just can't quite get our head around what Tom Brady is as an outlier. But most players aren't outliers. And as it turns out, Julio Jones' career arc has proven us right. 
Nicole Hardman has proven us right. You go back and look at our dynasty valuations the last few years, we're proven right over and over and over and over and over again. Julio Jones was the only way to fuck up taking a wide receiver in round four this year. <laughs> he, was the only, right? he was the only way. That's a great point. That's a great point. He was the only bust in round four. Like if you took if you took Mike Evans, you're happy. Godwin, you're happy. Cup, you're happy. Woods, I mean, he got injured, but he was doing fine before he got injured. You know, DJ Moore was great early in the season, at least. Maybe you know, Cam. Could be back with Cam, yeah. If you took Julio Jones, you're, you're done. Um, but... The, yeah, talk about Harmon. The people of the Harmon people will draft, by the way, next year is Gabe Davis because he's also putting up this, oh. this combination of not playing snaps, not drawing targets when he does play snaps, but being efficient per target. And, and, and it's the same trap that people will fall into. He's the Ramondre Stevenson of wide receivers. People, people see Michael Hardman. He doesn't earn targets. He doesn't earn volume. He doesn't earn snaps, but he's efficient per target. And people think that, oh, my God, what if he just gets more targets? He's not going to get more targets because he's never earned targets because he sucks. I, I don't. Hey, wait a second. He doesn't suck. Cole Hardman? No, Gabriel Davis. Okay, well, Gabriel Davis sucks less than McCall Hardman. Okay, he, he doesn't suck. He, he's okay at some elements of the game, but he's not. Let's. He's not on. a volume. We, 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 McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman has a role for an NFL team with a twenty percent snap share in four wide right. receiver sets to clear out space for other receivers. He has tactical value for an NFL team, but if you have him on your actual fantasy team, you're doing it wrong. I actually have a McCall Harbin because he was available on the waiver wire at one point, and I picked him up. I try to trade him every week, and no one bites. But at least I'm doing the right thing. I'm trying to get rid of him. Here's the take that I think I got the, the most right. Uh, in that article, where other than trashing Nicole Hardman, which which was which was very fun, um, talked a lot about uh, ADP and about how I think people were valuing best ball drafts wrong. I think people were looking to emphasize these player specific takes. Right, they were out there in their spreadsheets projecting usage. They were like, okay, Mike Davis is going to get fifty two targets, and DeAndre Swift's going to get sixty one targets, and this person plays in this formation, and to me, it's just way too micro to be an optimal strategy where you want to look broader. You, you want to look and say, okay, I want to cr- attract archetypes of players who can maximize my ability to be right if I'm right. Right? I want to take good players. I want to take players that light up the player profile or rankings from an ability to earn volume when they're on the field, from an ability to be efficient with their touches, from an ability to have that explosion, and then... I don't want to be attached to one or two specific guys. I, I want to be in the draft room taking the value that falls because you want to create the best possible construction of team. ADP, right? If you, if you're a stats guy. Have you ever heard of the 65, uh, 68, 95, 99 rule? Tell me. So I, I talked about this in this article where essentially 60, 68% of outcomes are all within one standard deviation of a given mean, right? If you think of a distribution curve, if people are watching the stream, I'm making a little curve. And then, you know, you get 95 is two and 99 is three. And I don't need to get into all the stats, but essentially it means that 32% of the time, right? 100 minus 68, you're going to get results in a normal distribution that are outside of one standard deviation. And how that means with ADP is you can just sit and you can just say, I'm never going to draft a person ever unless they fall one standard deviation past their ADP and all of the opportunity to draft them 16% of the time, right? That, that can be something you can do with any player. And so 
you'll have that opportunity. And so I don't need to chase my guys up and down the leaderboard because I know that I'm right because I did the projections and I projected the volume perfectly. You can sit and be patient. And so with guys you really like, okay, you take them at ADP every single time. You can probably get 20% of them. With guys you don't like, wait until they fall. This is the beauty of volume drafting on underdog, by the way. Right? And so where I think I was right is I decided, okay, there's certain players that just don't have the type of requisite upside that will maximize my utility if I'm right. Like a Tyler Boyd, right? I'm not going to worry if Tyler Boyd gets a 21% target share or a 19% target share because he's not going to win me a tournament, right? So I'm just Xing him out. And these other players, right? Like a Debo Samuel, to me, is a player that I got mostly wrong, but is the perfect encapsulation, I think, of what I was writing about, where on a micro level, I didn't like the Debo Samuel projection that I had. I had Brandon Ayuk projected to be the target leader in that offense. I had George Kittle ahead of Debo Samuel. I was dead wrong, of course, on how that aligned. But I looked at Samuel. I said, man, this is a really good player, right? He drew 27% target rate. You can find that on playerprofiler.com even last year, right? And people looked, people said, okay, his target share is just 18%. That's because he kept getting hurt at the beginning of games, right? But when he was out there, he earned a target 27% of his routes. We know he's one of the best yak receivers, right? What if things change? What if he gets a higher ADOT role? What if he's healthy, right? I'll just sit back and when he falls past ADP, I'll grab him. And I ended up with enough Debo Samuel where I have Debo Samuel teams scattered through my portfolio in first place, right? You get a Mike Williams guy I'm not on. No, this is exactly how Josh ended up with so much James Conner. Yeah, James Conner is a great example. I couldn't believe how much James Conner Josh Larkey has. I was like, this is not a, a running back yeah. that we gravitate to. But he said, yeah, but at that ADP, you're just looking for running backs that are going to operate in the green zone in these high-value touch running backs on elite offenses. And we expected Arizona's offense to take a step forward, and it did. So same case for drafting Zach Moss. You drafted Zach Moss for all the same reasons you were drafting James Conner. So if you have a bunch of Zach Moss, you have a bunch of James Conner, that's fine. One of them hit, and you're good. He's making into your lineup most weeks on underdog. Absolutely. And so that was one element. And the other element of this maximizing, you know, how much you're right was just really trying to align your structures, right? And I wanted to win through structure. I didn't want to win through player identification. And I mean, you look at teams, the, the best teams I have right now are teams where I was drafting Daryl Henderson, you know, early a lot in 11th, 12th round, right? And of course, the 11th, 12th round is a total smash. But, but, but it went beyond that, right? And I wrote about this Daryl Henderson situation. I was like, you know, there will be team, every team that drafted Daryl Henderson before Cam Akers got hurt. That's a big win, of course. But the teams that are set up best are the teams that didn't just draft you know, Henderson as their RB5 after taking three running backs the first round because you're you're now probably the worst Daryl Henderson team because he's never entering your lineup. Or if he is, that's not where you need help, right? You need help wide receiver. My best team right now on underdog, uh, or, or not my high scoring, but the team that I think has the best chance to win, John, here's my four running backs. This is it. Jonathan Taylor, Tony Pollard, A.J. Dillon, Daryl Henderson. Oh, baby. That's it. A.J. Dillon. Right? Because I just looked at it. I said, okay, Jonathan Taylor needs to smash, right? I took Tyree Kill the first round, took Jonathan Taylor the second round. I said, okay, Jonathan Taylor's just going to fill my RB1 slot every single week. He's going to smash. I'm going to assume that I'm right. And if I'm wrong, whatever, I lose. I don't understand why people have this obsession with trying to prevent loss in a game that you lose 99% of the time, right? Even in a 12-man league, you lose 11 on 12. So who cares? 
And then I'm just going to assume that I'm going to get lucky. Right? I'm either going to get lucky. Either Zeke's going to get hurt, Jones is going to get hurt, Akers is going to get hurt, or one of them is going to usurp someone, whatever. And then, you know, it's been great with Henderson, obviously, primarily being the RB2. Now I get A.J. Dillon. I mean, I'm so excited about A.J. Dillon. I'm trying to trade for A.J. Dillon. Of course you're trying to trade for A.J. Dillon. He's what an enduring, foundational, cornerstone running back looks like. This is a running back you can actually build around in Dynasty, unlike Ramondre Stevenson, where before player profiler, when I was playing fantasy football, I would have thought of A.J. Dillon and Ramondre Stevenson being similar players. But this is why we created Player Profiler, because now you can look at A.J. Dillon and go, oh, this guy has you know Nick Chubb-level size and athleticism, and that profile is a profile that NFL teams will invest in and you can feel comfortable building around because even if he's not super active in the passing game, he's going to deliver enough explosive runs and, of course, get all the goal line work that he's going to be an RB1 in fantasy in that particular offense. So he's going to be super valuable this year. And whether Aaron Rodgers is there or not, if he's the, you know, if he could somehow become the uh, featured back next year, he's going to be very valuable for fantasy football. And he's young. You don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Jones. So you invest in the profiles. That's why so bullish on Tony Pollard. It's not that I'm, predicting some injury to Ezekiel Elliott. I just know that how things shake out eventually a Joe Mixon and his skill set, right? Size, speed, and a target magnet in the passing game. Eventually he will rise up. He hasn't been an RB one yet, right? He hasn't been an RB one in his career yet. This year it's finally happening at age 25. There is a species of porpoise in northeastern United States, right around where you are, that is compelled to continue swimming at this maximum speed constantly. They never stop until eventually they can no longer do it and then they immediately die. And that is how these workhorse running backs tend to be on their second contract. Each individual game, you shouldn't modify your projection. You shouldn't expect them to collapse at any one moment with an Aaron Jones, with an Ezekiel Elliott, with a Dalvin Cook, right? With a Derrick Henry. Next game, project them well, right? What did they do last week? What's their workload been? Things are going to go. But eventually, the porpoise dies. <laughs> eventually, Aaron Jones sprains his MCL. Oh, don't worry. The porpoise isn't dead. It's one to two weeks. Oh, don't worry. It's- when do you think he'll be back? How many, how many weeks does Aaron Jones miss? He's going to play in the wild card game. Like I, I just, I, <laughs> he's going to miss three weeks. He's going to miss three weeks. I'm telling you, he's going to miss three weeks. That's his floor. He's 100% missing the next two, and then he has the bye, and I think he's going to miss a third game. I, I do. I, I think that A.J. Dillon is good, man. He's really good. There, the, you, you can't find players with A.J. Dillon's type of upside commonly. There, there just aren't that many of them. You look no. at this list. There's two. There's two. Yes, there's two. There's two, Jacob. There's Derrick Henry and there's Nick Chubb. Yeah. There's two. There's two dudes. There's from players that were drafted in the top three rounds. This is what it means to be in the 97th percentile. This is what it means. This is what it takes to be a foundational piece for a dynasty team and be a cornerstone asset in Dynasty. This is what it takes. 
You have to be a franchise caliber running back. And the only way to do that, if you're not electric in the passing game, is to be 97th percentile level size speed specimen. And that's what A.J. Dillon is. That's what Nick Chubb is. That's what Derrick Henry is. You want to chase an outlier, a running back that doesn't catch a lot of passes, they got to be that level of athlete size-adjusted athlete. And that's why you'll never see, as much as you want to see the Ramondre Stevenson lifetime value rating rise significantly, it's never going to, while A.J. Dillon's is untethered. Like There's no limit to where it can go from here. It just depends on the health of Aaron Jones. Those are the only sandbags in the balloon. Exactly. Whenever the reasons to fade a player have nothing to do with the player, like that's when you want to buy the player. Yes. Right? Because because that's how you that that's how you capture the maximum benefit when you're right, when things go your way, right? I wrote about running backs in in seasonal leagues for player profiler in the dead zone. I talked about why DeAndre Swift and, of course, the, the dearly departed Travis Etienne were the running backs that I wanted to target because they had these situational factors that were lagging down this golden, beautiful, hot air balloon ready to be launched into the universe of fantasy goodness, right? And instead, people were, were drafting these Mike Davis's. They were drafting, you know, Miles Gaskins. They were drafting these other players that were pushed up with with the helium of projected volume that was always going to come out. Yeah, the two RB ones that were available in the double digit rounds in fantasy drafts were AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard. Now, right now, it's James Conner. I didn't see James Conner having an RB one ceiling, and we'll see how the season plays out. We'll see how it goes. Insane amounts of touchdown luck to do it. Right. I mean, he's had some incredible touchdown variants. Looking at the Green Bay backfield, the number two running back there now is Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor has a thousand yard season at Memphis, and he has size. He has reasonable receiving skills. He's not the Tony Pollard level receiver. Tony Pollard was the satellite back at Memphis. It wasn't Patrick Taylor. It wasn't Darrell Henderson. These were between the tackles runners. But Patrick Taylor has enough size, enough athleticism, enough production on his profile that you have to take him seriously. And I want to pick him up in the Scott Fishbowl. Should I drop either Rondale Moore or Foster Moreau in the Scott Fishbowl? Now, I preface this by saying it is tight end super premium. So Foster Moreau is the ultimate tight end handcuff for the Scott Fishbowl. I don't want to drop Foster Moreau. I'm leaning dropping Rondale Moore because Rondale Moore doesn't seem like he's happening this year. If he didn't happen without DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup, how is it going to happen at all? Yeah, I think I think that you can drop Rondale Moore in the Scott Fishbowl, especially oh, with the scoring settings. I hated you saying that. It's painful. Oh, it's I'm going to do it, but oh, it, it hurts. I don't want to do it. It hurts. But it right like it, you got to take you got to take your shots on players that are going to win your league, and I don't think the Rondell Moore, unfortunately, is going to win your league in redraft. I'm I'm trading for Rondell Moore in dynasty. I want Rondell Moore in dynasty because I don't think that this role that he has, you know, is the role forever. 
right? People people look at Debo Samuel this year, the same people who are like, oh, Debo Samuel, low dot, never going to happen, just a gadget player, right? And then they're going to make the same mistake on Rondell Moore. They're going to cast him into this role for life. I don't think he's in this role for life, but for the next six games, I think he's in that role. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think right, yeah. when when they decided that a person named Anton Wesley, who, as far as I know, is, you know, a French actor that primarily stars in in silent dramas, not a wide receiver. When he's on the field, you know, getting more snaps than Rondell. Antoine Wesley, yes. That's that's your sign that, you know, it's probably probably not going to happen this year, unfortunately, for Rondell Moore. I, I would probably go with with Patrick Taylor on that one. Unfortunately. Spent my evening at the theater. <laughs> Watching Antoine Wesley. Uh, great, great piece there by uh, Antoine Wesley. Is uh, <laughs> not as good as his previous work, but I, I thought very, very inspiring, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> that face, like <laughs> it's just it's just the face it makes. Missed out if you're watching this live. What about what about Cam Newton? I'm hearing Cam Newton league winner. I'm hearing Cam Newton is. I would rather have Cam Newton over Matthew Stafford the rest of the way. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that. I I love Cam Newton. You want quarterbacks who run, man. You want quarterbacks who run. People think it's just a ceiling thing. It's a floor thing, right? Like Jalen Hurts has the most QB one weeks in the NFL. People say he's erratic. People say he's inconsistent. Not for fantasy. Right. Like Justin Herbert, that's erratic. Right. Like he's under 15 points per game in half of his games because he's not running. So, you know, if you're if you're not throwing the ball down the field consistently, if you're not running the ball, uh, if you're not a team, if you're not on a team that's willing to pass constantly in all situations like Tom Brady is, then, you know, your floor for fantasy is quite risky. Cam Newton's floor is not risky because he's going to run it a lot. He's going to get a lot of red zone touches. Uh, he has a high floor. He had a high floor last year, right? He was he was a high in QB two last year, and he played terrible, and he had no weapons. This year, he's got McCaffrey. He's got more. He's got well. Does he have Robbie? Does anyone really have Robbie Anderson? We're unsure. He has Terrace Marshall. He has all these guys. Yeah, Terrace Marshall has been underwhelming, and the advanced data shows that he's a sloppy route runner. Yeah, but so is Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin had a thousand yard season as a rookie with Cam Newton. Now, what was Cam Newton's number one receiver seven years ago, a far superior talent in Terrace Marshall, is now Cam Newton's fifth receiver. Yeah, and he's got former Canadian Football League most outstanding offensive player, Brandon Zilstra. Okay. (laughs) I just say you can't discount. Brandon Zilstra, unfortunately, is... Uh, has overtaken Terrace Marshall in routes. Oh, actually, actually, I take that back. I take that back. Terrace Marshall is his number four receiver because they traded Dan Arnold, inexplicably. Yeah, they traded Dan Arnold. He could use Dan Arnold. Cam Newton could use Dan Arnold. In seasonal leagues, who are you targeting in trade before the trade deadline? So first I'll give an archetype. You want to trade for, for backup running backs, the high upside backup running backs, right? So like Alexander Madison. Like in Alexander Madison in seasonal leagues, you want Alexander Madison in senior seasonal leagues. You want Tony Pollard. Uh, you know, you wish he had sent that offer up for AJ Dillon two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it's just like we, we you were a week late on AJ Dillon, right? I was I was I was podcasting with Rich Rebar earlier this season. I said the number one player you need to trade for right now is AJ Dillon, right? Hopefully, hopefully you win trade for AJ Dillon, right? But there's still time. You can still get Pollard. You can still get Madison. You can still get these guys. I did a trade with Cody Carpentier recently, right? 
I got Alexander Madison in Dynasty. In Dynasty. Well, we were talking about Madison and Dynasty earlier. We're a little different there. But in seasonal, you need to trade for these guys, right? We're coming to the close on bye weeks, especially if you're already a playoff team. You don't need your depth anymore. You don't need your Jarvis Landry's anymore. Jarvis Their time Landry. has come and gone. Oh, right? You don't need Devontae Parkers. You don't need Sterling oh. Shepard. You don't need these guys who, oh. who can come in and fill the flex in case of injury. Right? We're, we're done with that. All you want on your bench right now, to me, is just backup running backs. All backup Patrick Taylor and company. The other guy I want to trade for right now in seasonal leagues uh, would be T. Higgins. I mean, he's an obvious mm-hmm. one. I know people have talked about him. He's getting the targets. He's out-targeting Jamar Chase on a per-route basis, very quietly. Uh, he's getting a lot of targets. Yeah, we have a, a metric for that called target rate. Yeah. Targets per route run. It's been a bad mix of him missing some contested chances, Joe Burrow missing him in the red zone, uh, just bad luck, bad skill, whatever it is. It hasn't come together. Uh, I've essentially been playing DFS now for a month with a preloaded 13 points in my wide receiver three slot from T. Higgins. So I just get less salary, right? And I start with more points and I have one less player slot. It just comes with T. Higgins loaded. And I get a very mediocre score. But one of these days, we're going to get the 25-point explosion game from a T. Higgins, I promise you. A question for Dynasty. Question for Dynasty with T. Higgins. Who would you rather have, T. Higgins or Deontay Johnson? I would rather have, man, that is tough. That is a tough one. I have those guys like back-to-back, but I think that I would rather have T. Higgins. Ooh, it's close. It's close. They're 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 adjacent in the dynasty rankings. But you'd rather have T. Higgins over Devontae Smith, right? I think I'd rather have Devontae Smith. Well, there I'm it is. really high on Devontae Smith. Uh, well, there it is. I, I love everything I've seen out of Smith. He he's he's supporting Devontae Smith. Whoa, 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 hold on. Before you get into that, let's just make sure. Would you rather have Rashad Bateman or Devontae Smith? Devontae Smith. Why? I think that Bateman is the second best wide receiver in this class. Uh, first of all, I do. I, I wrote uh, a glowing, glowing homage to Rashad Bateman. Uh, I, I He's incredible. I quoted the uh, to support Rashad Bateman. If there's a rookie card I'm trying to get, it's Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman has the ability to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's incredible. But no, but he looks like a Hall of Fame receiver, like... All the traits you would want, I'll say it again, I feel I'm repeating myself, but explosive Keenan Allen. And then, yeah, yeah okay, explosive Keenan Allen, okay, Father, whatever, that, that's, uh, that's a bit of hyperbole. No, no, here's the thing, though. No, here's the thing. It's not hyperbole. No, he's exactly explosive Keenan Allen, and it's not an exaggeration. And once you realize it's not an exaggeration, that he has everything that Keenan Allen has, plus he's a lot faster, then you have to start thinking about, what does that mean? What does that mean for a receiver? What does that mean for his career in the NFL? What does that mean for his production over the next 10 to 15 years? Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer Rashad Bateman. That's a call. I'll tell you what. The uh, the, the clear the cash guys should be buying up Rashad Bateman rookie cards. I'm already doing it. I have two rookie cards in my collection. I have a bunch of Travis Fulgham. That's unfortunate. And Rashad Bateman. That, that one's going to work out better for you. Have you seen these? I think, I think these? I'd rather have Bateman. Have you seen Fulgham. these? The Travis Fulgham rookies? Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. Look at that. That's unfortunate. Piece of shit. Um, <laughs> Worth nothing. You know what? If we need to start a fire in the, in the fireplace, I might have to roll one of those up. There you go. 
I, so I want to be clear. I freaking love Rashad Bateman. It sounds like you're not being clear enough because there's another rookie in this class that's not Jamar Chase who you prefer over Rashad Bateman, and I disagree. I love both these guys, and I will make the case for Smith in a second. But first, I want to be clear on Bateman. There is no one, there is not a single person in the player profiler extended cinematic universe who was more bullish on the Ravens increasing their pass volume and on Rashad Bateman this offseason than me. F- find it. There you go. There you go. I asked you earlier for your most prescient take of the summer, and you're finally giving us a goddamn straight answer. Here it is, man. You can look it up. Go to Google right now. Google fade Rashad Bateman at your own pace. Yes, we understand you love Rashad Bateman. I asked you about Devontae Smith. You're answering questions from 20 minutes ago. Because we're we're moving in a direction, okay? What do I love about Bateman so much? Bateman came in. He's demanded targets, okay? He's demanded over 27% targets per route run. That's massive. That's the most in the entire class. That's even more than Chase. His efficiency is double that of Marquise Brown in the games they've played. Oh, yeah. Bateman and Brown, those look like two shifts passing in the night, potentially, in the dynasty rankings for sure. I, I, I love what I've seen out of Bateman. You know who I like both Bateman and Smith much better than is Waddle, who I'll talk about a little bit later. But what I love about Smith is Waddle. similar to Bateman. Similar to Bateman, he has commanded a high degree of targets, over 24% target share, already playing a full complement of snaps and doing so as the number one in the offense. And to me, his situation can only improve. He does not have a Marquise Brown alongside him. He does not have a Mark Andrews alongside him. And his quarterback play, right, he is earlier in the stage of the Russian quarterback development plan, right? Lamar Jackson is the guy where he was originally, he was killing the playmakers around him in fantasy value because he was monopolizing the offensive success for himself. That's been Jalen Hurts this year. He's been monopolizing the offensive success for himself. He's been the one scoring the touchdowns. He's been the one running, and it's caused volatility for Devontae Smith. But Yeah, see, this is the thing. This was the trap that I set. You know, this is the trap that I set. Because I wanted you to say something about Lamar Jackson being the reason you can't push up Rashad Bateman. And then I'd be like, aha, 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 we're talking about Devontae Smith here, buddy. I would never do that. In fact, one of us us took to TikTok to say that that Lamar Jackson would commandeer touches away from his offensive playmakers. And certainly I was not among them. But Jalen Hurts is earlier... Oh, you were you were drafted J.K. Dobbins in the third round. No, you weren't. Oh God, no! I wasn't doing that with Dobbins. You weren't doing that. No. That was that. That was why. That was the 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 bare case on Dobbins was was Lamar Jackson. That that that, that feels like seven years ago that we were yeah. talking about that. That was Bad. just a couple months ago. Here's the bull case for Smith. Right, he's producing on a rate level pretty similar to to what Bateman is. Right. Slightly under in target rate, much higher in target share, higher ADOT. He's seeing an alpha level 24% target share on an ADOT of 14. That is ridiculously impressive. That is, that, is, yeah. that is like top 12 receiver level usage. And then you throw that in and you see, okay, Jalen Hurts, where is he at in this metamorphosis cycle, right? Right now, he is in the cocoon. He's holding all the fantasy points tight in his cocoon. But I believe in Hurts, man. If you look at Hurts juxtaposed against Lamar Jackson at this stage in both of their careers, similar. At some point, Hurts is going to sprout into this butterfly, and you're going to see the Jalen Hurts butterfly effect 
That's your episode name, by the way. The Jalen Hurts butterfly effect. We just used butterfly effect. We already used it. We, we used it recently. Oh, no. It's going to open up its wings. It is going to allow Devontae Smith to blossom. And Devontae Smith has just a clear road in front of him, right? This is why I have Devontae Smith ahead of T. Higgins. That's why I have Devontae Smith ahead of Rashad Bateman. Oh. Is all of these guys are fantastic, exciting young talents. But there are roadblocks in the way in terms of the different receivers that they're with right now that Devontae Smith does not have. Devontae Smith is competing with Jalen Rager, who we can call a bust at this point. It's okay. We can we can oh, we, yeah. we can call out a bust. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Quez Watkins, decent complimentary piece. Dallas Goddard, Goddard, good complimentary piece. Devontae Smith has the capability to lock down the alpha role in that offense where whoever they bring in complements him. I've been extremely impressed with Devontae Smith. I, I was all over the Smith hurt stack in best ball. I wrote about that this summer <clears throat> in stacks to break your lead. <clears throat> I'm loving everything that I'm seeing out of Smith, and it's no slight on Bateman. I would have Bateman ranked very highly in my dynasty rankings, but I'm higher on Smith because of everything that he's doing, despite the offensive conditions that are meant to spite him. He's producing an alpha target share on an alpha A dot, and he's now performing for fantasy production. I'm all in on Devontae Smith moving forward. I would take him over a lot of dudes. So you have him as top 12 in dynasty at this point among wide receivers. Devontae Smith is a top 12 dynasty wide receiver for me. I'm not there yet. But I'm 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 willing to listen, and he probably needs to move up a little bit just based on the target share, target rate, and average target depth. Who are you trying to unload in seasonal leagues and dynasty? Is there someone that you liked? You drafted them, you were, you know, an enthusiast for a particular player, and you started to sour on them for whatever reason? Well, to sour on them. Look, I this might not be the perfect answer for souring. Not necessarily souring, but you feel more comfortable moving on than maybe you did six months ago. Here's the guy you need to sell in Dynasty Leagues, right? It is hard to sell, you know, sour milk, right? If you're Here, everybody, do you want – who who wants to buy my LaVisca Chanel, right? Not a lot of people, unfortunately, want to buy your LaVisca Chanel right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like unless someone's willing to pay up, if they're still attached to their preseason take – you know, you're not going to get great value, but we're coming around the holiday season. You know, what's pretty easy to sell right now. Nice, succulent, delicious eggnog, right? That's what I want to wave in front of people. Okay. You and the analogies. I mean, the analogy volume, incredibly high in this show. It's a high average depth of analogy. I mean, I just, our, our analogy rate is as high as any show in mind of mansion history. And we're well over 500 episodes. Do you have this on player profile or is this a metric? Analogy rate? We should have that in the, in the, in the list yeah. of podcasts. should have the analogy count right there. Analogy rate over expectation. There this you go. is, yes, this is a high analogy rate show. Woo! Go ahead. Look, you're, the beautiful eggnog that you need to put out to your league mates right now, the guy that I'm trying to sell for both Devontae Smith and Rashad Bateman is Jalen Waddle. Uh, Jalen Waddle has been performing really well this year, right? He's putting up fantasy points. He's scoring a lot of touchdowns. Talk about a low A dot, though. I mean, his target depth is half of Devontae Smith's. Yeah. Why don't you just make my whole argument for me, Matt? Look, here we go. This is the issue with Jalen Waddle. I didn't know. This wasn't on the show sheet. Jalen Waddle's not on the show sheet. These are just things I know, man. (laughs) Almost like it's your site. Uh, Look, Jalen Waddle, he is earning... Similar targets per route as Devontae Smith, less than Rashad Bateman, and he's doing so at half the A dot of Smith and about two thirds the A dot of Bateman, right? That's 
a little bit unfortunate. And he's old. He's 23 years old. And he's older. And consider consider the target competition, right? He's doing it with nobody, right? Parker has been out the whole time. Fuller, uh, he's uh, he's. We need to speaking about sour milk, man. We need to put him on a milk carton, right? <laughs> we don't know where he is. We don't know what he's up to. We're looking out for for Will Fuller. We hope he's doing okay. Hope he's okay. Hope he's okay. It's been the Jalen Waddle show, and it's been these low A dot targets, a lot of schemes targets for Jalen Waddle, right? He is yeah. not. Okay, can we just for a sec- hold on? What's up with wide receivers? Like wide receivers have this diva reputation. They're the ones that celebrate uh, uh, w- most boisterously, right? <laughs> you have the Randy Moss uh, 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 pantomiming, pulling his pants down. You have Chad Ochocinco <laughs> taking the pylon and playing golf. You have Joe Horn taking a cell phone oh. out of the... Uh, uh, the goalpost padding. You have Terrell Owens doing a snow angel in the middle of the field on the Dallas Star. And in general, they're just highly expressive athletes. <laughs> they are. And also seemingly prone to having some sort of difficulty emotionally. Where you have Will Fuller missing time, not just physical, but also mm. mental and emotional. Same with Calvin Ridley. It's just the behavioral profile of the wide receiver position is unique across sports. It's interesting. It is fascinating. I don't have a take on it. I'm just saying it's just interesting. Yeah. Like every time, whether it's Calvin Ridley earlier, now we're talking about Will Fuller. And I'm like, these are some of the most fun athletes to follow, and they're also susceptible to these emotional difficulties. I don't know. I don't have a take on it. It's it seems like an Icarus problem. Like they, they just fly so close to the sun emotionally that they can just fall out of the sky. I mean, isn't that what's happened with Calvin Ridley? He's just essentially fallen out of the sky. What happened to Will Fuller? He fell off the face of the earth. I wish them all the best, man. Will Fuller's awesome when he plays. I know. I love Will Fuller. I'm a big fan. Big fan of Fuller. It's unfortunate uh, this season. Lost season. Is he going to have any value ever in Dynasty, or is it over? Uh, I'm, I'm buying Will Fuller still. I mean, oh, you he are? He doesn't have any market value, right? I, I buy right. Will Fuller for sure. I mean, I'd I, I try and see, okay, can I get Will Fuller for a third? Like, I, I would throw a third out for Will Fuller. I mean, he was a wide receiver one in points per game last year, right? He was a top 12 wide receiver that's, points per game last right. year. You look at you look at his his stats through his career. He exists in that uh, not quite alpha, but the type of target share that you need or that you, that can support wide receiver one seasons on a high A dot. Right? He lives in the twenty three percent range, which when you combine that with a high A dot and a high efficiency rating on that A dot, you can get back end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two production. Right? It's the Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Deshaun Jackson. Kenny Galladay, you know, these types of guys, right? Brandon Cooks, where you get that, the the beta masquerade, right? And you can get that with, uh, you can get that with Fuller. I mean, he's on a one-year deal. He's going to get signed somewhere next year. NFL teams value speed. NFL teams value his skill set. Yeah. Uh, it's not like he's just going to be out of the league, right? So if, if Will Fuller wants to play football next year, he'll be he playing football next year. And, and and I think, you know, the it's so low right now, his value. I mean, he's... Wherever he is, I hope he's at least stretching his hamstrings. I hope so for sure. I, I personally hope he gets back on the roids. I, I really enjoyed that. 
for for Fuller. I, I think that that was, you know, can you imagine Julio Jones' career if he stretched? Yeah, I don't. Can you imagine? It would have stretched out his career length for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's it. There you go. It'll play on words. Yeah. I love it. Of all these wide receivers that are going to be free agents at the end of the season, Cortland Sutton, Michael Gallup, Devontae Adams, DJ Chark, who do you think's going to increase their value most next offseason based on where they sign in 2022? I think it's Michael Gallup. Uh, I think he's the forgotten man. I, I look at Michael Gallup, you know, somewhat similar but better to Corey Davis from this offseason where you know he was a guy who was emerging Gallup, he, he was the wide receiver 17 in points per game in his sophomore year, right? Came in as a pretty solid prospect from Colorado State, demanded a lot of volume at Colorado State. Came in second year, he out-targeted Amari Cooper on a per-game basis in 2019. He was a co-alpha receiver. Then what happens, right? CeeDee Lamb falls to them. I don't think that they looked at that as a Michael Gallup problem. I don't think they looked at that as a Amari Cooper problem. They saw, man, one of the best players in the draft just fell to us, and they were absolutely right to take CeeDee Lamb in that spot, right? Same way you would as a fantasy manager. right? I, I have teams where I took you know, Taylor in round one of my dynasty startup this summer and Swift in round two. We got to round three. I'm like, I don't really want a third running back. That's not what I dreamed of. But, oh, Cam Akers is still here, right? And it's like, Gotta okay, I'm going to take him. Got to do it. Got to do then, it. Right? So I think that's how the Cowboys looked at this. They're not going to re-sign Gallup, or maybe they do. Maybe they, they they use the out on Amari Cooper's contract, which that was a win too. But God, that's also a possibility. We keep assuming they're not bringing back Gallup, but it could be Cooper, the odd man. Look, oh man, could Amari Cooper be the odd man out? Oh, I I don't know. That's hard but to believe. Either way, we saw last year, right? Gallup was was cast into this field stretching role where his job was to open things up for other people. But we know. We know that he's capable of more than that. He saw it in 2019, right? That doesn't go away. And we know he's capable of drawing targets. He's in a bad situation. Next year, his situation is almost guaranteed to be better. Either they let Amari Cooper go to save money. They put they prioritize those dollars elsewhere. Gallup now gets to run as the as the 1B to CD Lamb. Or, oh better imagine? yet, you know, he gets to go into another spot as, at worst, the number two receiver, maybe a number one receiver. Only good things can happen to Michael Gallup between now and the right? start of next season. you got to go get him in Dynasty. What if Michael Gallup is... How about this trade? How about this trade? Ramondre Stevenson for Michael Gallup. How about that trade? That's a, that's a trade you should do, and I bet you could get a third on top. Oh, yeah, plus. Not not just Ramondre Stevenson. You can say, hey, Ramondre Stevenson for Michael Gallup plus a third rounder. Start with a second rounder. Fuck it. You never know how someone might value Stevenson. How about this, right? Ramondre in your third for Gallup in a second. Something like that. Yeah. Just get, somehow find a way to get a second rounder. Or, get it. Or, or what I'm doing right now, because I think the 2023 draft class is going to be a lot oh, better yeah. than the 2022. Oh, yeah. I'm going for 2023 seconds. Yeah. You can get a 2023. Everyone... 2023, it's just 2023. Years away. Years away. You're competing, man. You're competing for a championship. Ramondre Stevenson can help you. Michael Gallup's not going to help you, man. Just make sure you throw in that 2023 second rounder. That's all. It's nothing. It's nothing. Here's, Here's the trade that you simply must send out to all 11 of your league mates. Every league you have Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson plus a 2022 second, which is late because you subscribe to Player Profiler, so you're probably 
you know, you're probably eight and two, seven and three, maybe six and four. You have Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift. You have one of those two, if not both. You have Taylor Swift. So, you know, you know all too well that your team is in first place. And then you go and you offer Ramondre and your 2022 second for a 2023 first. Oh, 2023 first round pick. Don't don't tease me. Then you get a look at Bijan Robinson, Tank Bigsby, Jameer Gibbs. Oh, don't say that. Cody Carpenter's in the chat. He traded me a 2023 first rounder. Oh, Cody. What did he trade it for? It's a super flex league. He needed quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz. You got both? 2023 for both Mayfield and Wentz? Sorry, Cody. Oh, that's tough. Sorry, Cody. It's a full transparency. It's a full transparency. Did he throw in Alexander Madison? Yeah, I got Madison too. Sorry, Cody. Oh, full no. transparency. Hey, hey, hey I gave no. him Beckham. I gave him Odell Beckham too. Full transparency. Sorry, Cody. <laughs> full transparency. Oh, no. Okay. That's not good. Contrived dichotomy for you, Jacob Sanderson. Contrived dichotomy. It's not a contrived dichotomy. This is an actual uh, logical dichotomy. Okay. Better second half, Miles Sanders or Chase Edmonds? Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is another one of those guys you absolutely need to trade for in all formats right now. Miles Sanders is good at football. He is. I think so. People don't think that he's good at football because he wasn't getting enough touches last year, but he was out there for all the snaps. He was out there in all situations in 2020. Why are they giving Jordan Howard more carries then? Because, because they change philosophies, right? Why are they giving Gainwell more targets? You have to look closely, right? This year, open up, Miles Sanders was in a bit of a split with Gainwell. He sold a better half of that split. It was overstated how much Gainwell's role was. And closer up to his injury, Sanders was getting more and more routes, right? You look at the game versus Carolina, then the game versus Tampa Bay, two straight games. Miles Sanders ran more routes than Kenny Gainwell, got more targets than Kenny Gainwell. He was trending up. He was one of the best performers in the entire NFL this year versus that Tampa Bay front as a running back. He was gashing them that game. He got them back into that game. They almost had a chance to win that game. They come out the next week and they reestablish a new identity. I know because I played Miles Sanders all over my DFS lineups that game against the Raiders. They went out first drive. Miles Sanders has 30 yards on the first drive. Second drive, first play, he gets the ankle injury. Miles Sanders was going to smash the Raiders that week. He was going to be a top five running back in fantasy that week if he stayed in the game. Kenny Gainwell ends up with a touchdown. Boston Scott ends up with touchdowns. Miles Sanders was going to smash faces that week. They have success with that new game plan. They carried over the next two weeks with Detroit, with the Chargers. Then they carried over with the Broncos in a game where they're not no longer facing a run funnel defense with the Broncos, right? This is their identity now. And now they get their best running back back. You're going to tell me that because Jordan Howard took advantage of the Lamar Jackson, Colin Kaepernick corollary, where everyone looks more efficient next to a rushing quarterback, right? Alfred Morris corollary. The who corollary? Alfred Morris. The Alfred Morris corollary, right? Jordan Howard is Jordan Howard, guys. He's not that good, okay? He got cut by Miami, right, in favor of Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed. He was put on the practice squad in Philadelphia in favor of Boston Scott and Ken Gainwell. And there was a numbers game play here. Boston Scott is the least imposing of the three options because he's not a threat for goal line work because he's small. And he doesn't have the pass catching skills that Kenny Gainwell has. 
What does Kvass and Scott do that the other two don't do? He plays special teams. That means he's going to be active, guys. Boston Scott gets one of the chairs at the dinner table because he plays special teams. Miles Sanders is going to be the starter. You are not going to see Jordan Howard and Kenny Gain. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, I hope this take doesn't come back to bite me, but I'm confident in it. When you listen to the podcast version of this next week, you will have woken up to see either Jordan Howard or Kenny Gainwell inactive. One of those two is going to be a healthy and active this weekend because they're not going to carry four running backs. And that either opens up the goal line role for Sanders or it opens up a pass game role for Sanders in place of Gainwell. And he's going to be their most efficient running back. Even if his slice of the pie is a little bit lower, it's so much larger of a pie now. This is a different team now. And he gets to walk in. I think Miles Sanders is live to be, at worst, a high-end RB2 the rest of the year. I think he could potentially even be an RB1 the rest of the year. And we're going to see, I think, a finish to this season similar to the finish to his 2019 season that got everybody so excited about Miles Sanders in the first place. And I think you want to buy Miles Sanders in seasonal you want to buy him in Dynasty, and you want to just see what happens this last stretch because I, I think this is Miles Sanders' chance to finally, finally meet our expectations. We're going to see, I think, a finish to this season similar to the finish to his 2019 season that got everybody so excited about Miles Sanders in the first place. And I think you want to buy Miles Sanders in seasonal. You want to buy him in dynasty. And you want to just see what happens this last stretch because I, I think this is Miles Sanders' chance to finally, finally meet our expectations. That's the show. Before we go for the stream and for the outtakes... Give us your deep dynasty truther player. Man, my, my deep dynasty Oh, by the way, truther. by the way, Tim Boyle starting for the Lions this week. Just throw to Swift, Tim. Tim, 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 Swift, 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 Hawkinson, Swift, fine, Swift, Tim. Hawkinson, Swift, Swift, Hawkinson. And Josh Reynolds is going to be active. Ooh, okay. Just letting well, it I mean, Just can't letting be worse, it. right? <laughs> can't, can't be worse than what they have. <laughs> um, they're running out Tom Kennedy and other members of, of the Kennedys. I actually like Tim Boyle. He's been ranked on our rankings for years because I like him. Really? I mean, I like him like I liked, like I liked uh, Mike White. Like I, you know, I there's just certain players I like for un, you know, Mike White was prolific in college. Tim Boyle has hung around the league, and and those, you know, people in the league have told me he's good. Um, Do you know Tim Boyle's touchdown to interception ratio at UConn? No. Two to fifteen. Shut up. Get two touchdowns and fifteen interceptions. Wait, no way. No way. <laughs> Somebody told me he's good at one point. Well, he went to. I think. I think he went to Eastern Kentucky after that. Yeah, he went to one of the cardinal directions of Kentucky. I couldn't remember if it was Eastern, Western, Northern. Oh my Southern. god. Oh my god. Look at this. Oh Jesus Christ. No way. There's no way he was this bad in college. How is this possible? How is this? What <laughs> is this? Freshman year, forty-four percent completion percentage, four point seven yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, eight picks. <laughs> oh my god! How did he do that? <laughs> he threw to the other team more than he threw to his. Home. I know, but that's just crazy to me. 
It's crazy that he got in the NFL. That he started. How did he make it to the NFL? This makes me like him more. I know he overcame, man. He overcame. How did he do this? We've had him ranked. I swear to God, I don't even have to go. I don't even have to add him. He's in the rankings. He's been ranked. I don't know why. But I just someone told me he was good. I, at one point, I, someone I trust told me he was good. I don't know what. I don't remember. Even, I don't remember how it happened. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. And he's somehow. So, what's an example of a of a of a? Uh, I oh Taylor Hineke. Taylor Hineke, yeah. someone also told me he's good. And I was like, yeah, whatever, r- really? And then it's like, oh, his Old Dominion stats don't tell the whole story. He played at Old Dominion the same time as Travis Fulgham played at Old Dominion, right? I think he actually supported two wide receivers that made it to the NFL. It was not just Travis Fulgham. I think there was another receiver that actually got drafted. Maybe Fulgham got drafted, but there was another receiver that was just was as Zach good. Pascal. Who? Zach Pascal. Was it Zach Pascal? Oh, I think there was a third one. Zach Pascal for sure went to Old Dominion, though. Maybe let's see that I gotta, I'm looking up the stats for uh, uh, against Western Kentucky. His stats. Oh, he had some good games at Western Kentucky. He had a 300 yard game against uh, Western Kentucky. Oh no, for Eastern Kentucky, Tim Boyle had a 300 yard game against Western Kentucky. Against Western Kentucky. Okay, right. that's the only 300 yard game he's had. That's the only 300. Okay, I take it back. He only had one 300 yard game his entire career in college. And that was against Western Kentucky when he was playing for Eastern Kentucky. And he's going to be starting in the NFL. Good for him. Good for him. How much worse can it be than Jared Goff on this one? I have. Listen, I have two. I'm in two QB leagues where I think I might have to. I might have to pick him up. Is he mobile? Is he sneaky athletic? I don't know. I'll find out. I don't know. Um, What do we have on player profile? What does it say? Yeah, it says that he has a 120.6 87th percentile burst score. Look at that. The guy. The guy has above average athleticism across the board. Look at that. The guy's a nice little athlete. In fact, that's the only way he would be in the league is if he had some athleticism. That's unfortunate for DeAndre Swift, actually. Yeah. It's, it's I, pr- I prefer him to be. He has very, very, very piercing blue eyes. Well, that's good. His eyes are the same shade as his Lions jersey. That, that's helpful, right? If you match the jersey. I guess. Maybe it makes it more camouflaged. What the fuck are we talking about? I asked you about true... We got distracted so much in this show. We did. We had the. We had a bare bones show sheet. We couldn't get through it. You're not even giving me a truth or player. I asked you ten minutes ago. Yeah, because then we ended up talking. I know it was my fault. Yes, I know. I know. Yes, I'm just saying between the two of us. Yeah. It makes any kind of you know makes it impossible to stay on schedule. Who's your truther? Look, good good week for it because this guy's been stashed in my dynasty teams forever. Patrick uh, Taylor he was originally. Not 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 quite talent. Uh, uh, Jamar Jefferson. Uh, he was. Oh, I had him as a tier one running back in this class way back in January. Uh, I compared him to Marlon Mack. Uh, I had him as my RB four in this class. Then he had the pro day. Came in not with the athleticism numbers that we wanted, but was super productive as a freshman at Oregon State. You can see the burst on tape. He gets up at the top speed quickly. He hits the hole. And he's a guy where Detroit is going to be searching for a compliment to DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift has been possibly the best pass-catching running back in the NFL this year. But let's be honest, he's underwhelmed as a rusher. Uh, He's not been particularly efficient in the run game. And so they're going to be looking for someone to supplement him. Jamal Williams is one of the best personalities in the NFL. love Jamal Williams. But Jamar Jefferson offers a potential long-term solution as the uh, B-back complement to DeAndre Swift. I'm really excited about him. He also not not a great pass catcher, but is a, certainly a capable. So far, pass he's catcher. been good. He has that Ramadre Stevenson level, big back receiving skills. 
Right. He's a guy who can be, you know, an all-purpose back, kind of in the same mold as, you know, a Jamal Williams, right, where he's a guy not not known for his receiving ability, but if he has to do it, he can go out and do it, and he can make plays, right? And I, I think with Jamar Jefferson, this is your chance because he was starting to starting to turn up, right? Nudging up, yep. Right, Jamal Williams went out. He got an opportunity, scored a touchdown in both games. He looked great at that fantastic 28-yard run. Now he's out with the with the ankle sprain, right? He's going to be out probably three weeks. Might not get to see it for the rest of the season, but the coaching staff has seen it. They've seen it. You can get Jamar Jefferson now for free. People are going to drop him. They're going to drop him in Dynasty because they're going to have to make picks, right? They're going to drop him right? after the a high ankle sprain will likely ruin the rest of his season. Yeah. He'll be dropped in Dynasty, off practice squads, taxi squads will be dropped. People are making room for their 2022 draft picks. Scoop Jamar Jefferson. Wow, that's a long game truther play right there. I love Jamar Jefferson, man. Love that guy. (sighs) Good show, buddy. Absolutely. That was fun. I know we got off topic, but we had a lot of fun. We talked a lot about Did we get off topic at all? (laughs) Once or twice. Did we? Did we? (laughs) Once or twice. I think it was a great show. It was an evergreen show. We need an evergreen show because it's not going to drop for a few days. Yeah. Hey, Stream. Stream. Thanks for sticking with us, guys and gals. It's great stuff. And I'll answer a question from the stream. Are we going to post our own player pages? So will you see a Podfather player page? Am I going to run the 40 and participate (laughs) in the agility drills? And the answer is yes. We have a high school field near my house. We're going to do it. Oh my god, that's good. Cody's coming over, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna do the whole thing. Cody's Cody's gonna be 99th percentile in the bench. Cody's press. gonna be high with strength. We know that. <laughs> and so yes, we're gonna start posting at least, uh, you know, there's gonna be at least five or six Underworld staff player pages up in the next six months. <laughs> I love it. So you, you, could, you can get one. Get you one, buddy. Yeah, I, I have. I have uh, my best contribution would be arm length. Okay, good. <laughs> very, very long arm. Good. Oh wait, do oh, wow. Show us. Yeah, back, back. We can't see back all the way up. We can't see in the stream. Back all the way up. Back all the way up to the wall. All the way up to the wall. I can't. I can't. That, there's a. There's there you a, go. There you go. Now, now show us the show us the wingspan. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Look at it. it's like it's like he's my little puppet. Look, I can make him do stuff. Okay, now now b- b- bounce up and down. <laughs> uh, yeah that's that's the first score oh baby hey listen sir let's have a good season let's finish strong absolutely we'll finish strong man so uh yeah Ramondre stevenson that's gonna be fun yeah they uh they played pretty much to a dead even split they both look good which shocking that running backs would look good against the falcons i know yeah it's shocking they would look good <laughs> yeah Look, they didn't look quite as good as Jonas Gray did against the Colts that one time. 199 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that that was that was a rough night for me uh, as a Colts fan. Didn't they sign him though? Didn't the Colts then sign him? Uh, I think I think like half the league signed him. They, I thought they, I think they brought him in. I think they brought him in because they were like, "There's no way that was a fluke. He must be good." This happens, right? Teams when they when they, it's easier for teams to accept that the other players had immense talent than that they have immense deficiency. So if you watch Jonas Gray go for 200 yards against you, like you have to think, oh my God, this guy is incredible, right? Like we had a good game plan. We we executed well, but we just couldn't stop Jonas Gray because he's so unbelievably talented. I know. 
I know. Sorry. Let's, uh, dude, vacations are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> vacations are the worst because you're the week leading up to the vacation is complete hell. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's and true. then the week after is complete hell. So you're trying to like catch up after you get back. That week is hell. The week leading up is hell. I got my wife ta- asking me if I've done this, asking me if I've done that. Have I done this? If you did, did you close up the garage? Did you do this? Did you blah, 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 did you bring in the stuff from outside? All this. Did you pack yet? Did you did you go to the CVS? Did you get uh, toiletries? Like, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, no, I've done any of that. <laughs> I I still have a TikTok to record. You know, and and I and I got to talk to Jacob Sanderson so we can record a show that is going to go live next week because I don't want to record. I don't want to do an interview from Mexico. I'm not going to bring my mic like I've brought my mic in my suitcase before. I'm not bringing a Yeti in my suitcase. No way. I do have this, though. I do have this guy, this little. This is for my phone. I'm going to do my monologue with this. I'm going to plug this into my phone. Nice. See this? And yep. I'm gonna do my monologue. It's a little bit better, better quality than the um, than just the default iPhone microphone. Yeah. So I think I would have enjoyed more doing this show with you if you had a mai tai in hand, skyping in from an all inclusive resort oh, on a God. beach lounger. <laughs> I'm just trying to get this all out of the way, get everything done. The one, the one TikTok I have not yet recorded was was my Jonas Gray, Ramadre Stevenson. Oh boy, TikTok! I can't wait for that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you were a big. I, you know, I can't keep up with who's a big fan of what players. Yeah, well, we all have like our. I, the beauty of the Roto Underworld family that I've realized is that we we all have our one island that we stand on. Right, Cody stood alone on Michael Carter Island. No, no one else. Yeah, no one was really willing to go there with Michael Carter. I tried to get Nate, but I was like, no, Nate, Nate would never stand for a day three running back. That's never going to happen. Yeah, I saw, I saw that one when you guys were talking. Uh, when Ramondre was not a guy I was super on. Like I was somewhat intrigued uh, because of the pass catching in in out of college, um, but I wasn't like into him in the pre draft. My my guy in the pre draft, which was correct. Was Elijah Mitchell? Yeah. Um, that that yeah. was my big flag plant in the pre-draft. Uh, you know, eighteen receptions on in six games in his final season in Oklahoma. That's not bad. He was second in the entire class in yards per route run, behind only Kenny Gainwell. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Still, only only six point nine target share. It wasn't like. Well, he didn't. His issue was I, I forget all of the specifics. He did. He must have caught all. My guess is he caught all the targets. So that, that that was his target cap, and then they threw a lot, so it was still diluted. There was some weird stuff. I forget the specifics, but JJ Zacharyson went into this on his pod about like why Ramondre's target share was low due to he missed certain games, or there were certain times when he sat and didn't play certain halves. Or there was like a bunch of weird irregularities that diluted his target share. But then when you look at his actual per route numbers, they were fantastic. Mm. Um, and, and I forget the specifics about it, but I, I know for sure, like the yards per run was great. Like he was when when he was used in the passing game, he was efficient, which was at least interesting to me because Damian Harris, it's like he, he's just the most pointless asset to me. Like he's he's just gonna get he's a good football player. It's not fair. Like people want good football players to be good fantasy football players. It's not fair when they aren't. But Harris, like I, I just don't understand. Like he's gonna be a low end RB two. Well, he was. Now I don't even really know what he is at this point. Yeah, I just don't know why you would dismiss him, but then be on Stevenson, unless you think that Stevenson's a significantly better catcher. 
of footballs. I guess, like, in less games, he had, his target share was at least higher than Harris's was. Harris never cl- never crested 5.3%. So, because you might say, oh, 22 catches for... Because I saw, oh, 22 catches, and he had more catches than Jacobs. So I was like, oh, that means he's a decent receiver, because I heard Jacobs was a good receiver, so that must mean Harris is good. But then... You actually look at the the target share because it was in 15 games because they played all those extra games. Yeah. Right? And they throw so much. There's so many possessions, right, with with Alabama that that's why 22 catches in the 2018 season is not as impressive as any other running back getting 22 catches. Right. So you can't say that Damian Harris is this this electric receiver. He's not. These numbers... I never saw his yards per route run in college. I'm not sure. I don't have Harris's. I don't have Harris's either. But uh, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, Gainwell is another level, though. Gainwell is a type of guy that I, I do like a lot, just because he is a very good receiver. I wish Philly liked him. I, <laughs> I know <laughs> we we know he's a very good receiver. Period. So you have to like him for that reason. If you don't, if you know, and same with Michael Carter. That's a good reason to like Michael Carter. We know he's a good receiver. Yeah. Like, that's for sure. Yeah, my, my issue with Carter was just the price. Like, I, I didn't really have a problem with Carter. It was just, it was, just, I mean, it was just, well, I had other problems with Sermon, but. Well, no, I mean, unless you had back-to-back picks or something, I mean, you were going Bateman, you weren't going to go Carter. Or if you had a choice, if you're at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, you're not going to get Carter. Carter was going early second round. So he was within three or four picks of Bateman, so you would have had to have a, an extra pick or be drafting at the end of the first round, and then you're, maybe it's a snake draft. I guess if you were in a snake draft and you had won the previous year, you could go Bateman-Carter back-to-back. But most people aren't in snake draft rookie draft. But I would have just gone Bateman or either of the Moors. <laughs> you know, I, I would have taken Bateman and, and well, he looks like crap, but Marshall. <laughs> um, yeah, I would have gone Marshall. I would have oh, yeah, happily gone Marshall or Rondell Moore or Elijah Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over over Michael Carter. Yeah. And we'll look up in five years and two of Elijah, Rondale Moore and Terrace Marshall. Two of those guys will be outproducing Michael Carter. They'll have more value in terms of value over stream, even not just raw fantasy points, just like in terms of total value. I mean, we'll see Michael Carter. We'll see what he is longer term. I mean, but these guys, it's so hard to get behind these guys that that are not, you know, uh, DeAndre Swift level ability, talent profiles. I mean, that's why. Okay, Antonio Gibson. All right. Like, let's talk. Like, this is interesting. Like, this guy has it, right? He has the raw material. Is it a finished product yet? Not exactly. But we we can have a conversation with this guy actually being really valuable. You know, Stevenson will never be that. No, no, I don't think so. You know, like, so that that's, that's the thing. It's kind of like a whole different conversation. Right, but the price, right? That's like in rookie drafts, it's like in your, if you're in the back end of the third round, early of the fourth round, you're like, okay, can this guy be a decent player? Right, because if he's a decent player, you know I can probably trade him for more than I'm paying yes. for. I can plug him in occasionally. Yes, and there you're just looking what you know. What can this guy do? Okay, can he catch a few passes? Do you think he can get some goal line touches? Can he make a roster? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Stevenson, if he's a good, if he is a good receiver, if he's one of these jumbo quality receivers, I mean, I compared him to Royce Freeman 
basically a lesser Royce Freeman when he came out, and I think that still holds. Royce Freeman just ended up in a stretch zone blocking scheme where Stevenson would fail just as badly as Freeman did. And if you put him in like a famous gap blocking scheme like the Patriots have always run, Freeman would have been good too. Whatever. Yeah. Like that's that's the sliding doors uh, theory of the of the NFL. That that Royce Freeman's career would have turned out totally differently if he landed in a different team. I, I agree. I don't know why these players pick. I don't know why these teams pick these players who don't fit. They explained it. Josh John Lynch explained it because someone asked him how he could draft a running back that runs a 4-6 for that scheme. And he said, that's a good question. We looked into it, and based on his explosive, based on his explosion numbers, his vertical jump and his broad jump, we determined he had enough twitch and mm. burst to be successful in this scheme. So he did answer that question. He did walk us through the process, which we never get that answer. So that was cool yeah, that someone asked. An answer. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan said, and they were wrong. Screw that. They were fucking wrong, <laughs> yeah. right? And they were still wrong. It's like, dude. You're talking. That's called confirmation. That's that's someone using. This happens every day that someone uses player profiler to make a bad decision because you're <laughs> trying to talk yourself into a player you like, and you go and you fixate on the one stat where he's 87th percentile. Right. Player profiler is a confirmation bias fueled machine. If we were like a confirmation bias drug dealer. <laughs> If you need your fix, we got it. We got a stat for that, right? You don't like a player, we got a stat for that. You hate a player, we got a stat. You love a player, we got a stat for that. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, the it's Whenever I'm in an argument on Twitter, the first thing I do is I go to playerprofiler.com and I go, okay, what can I find here? Yeah, <laughs> it's gotta, give me something, player profiler. This, oh, this helps my point of view. Put that down, <laughs> right? No, but I, I just... Last night, I published the soft cover version of the Dynasty Dominator Reloaded. Mm-hmm. So it's a brand new book. It's seventy five percent. Only twenty five percent of the content is the same as the previous book because a lot of the previous book was written before I had really played in Dynasty for any length of time. That that mm-hmm. I would feel like that I would be audacious enough to actually write it, not having much experience, was sort of a psychological phenomenon in of itself in and of itself <laughs> right but now I w- so I went back and I was so embarrassed by it I went back and rewrote it this summer with one of our super savvy interns Neil Gupta yeah. and we actually wrote a really good book what ended up coming out of it was a really good piece of work and one of the pieces of advice in there is in the third and fourth round you need to be going running back like you, you a, a, a dynasty, the, the most common dynasty rookie draft cadence would be running back, receiver, running back, running back, or mm-hmm. even receiver, receiver, running back, running back. I agree. Because because first round, it just depends. If Jamar Chase is there, yeah. you go Jamar Chase. If Cam Akers falls to you, go Cam Akers. Remember Cam Akers fell to like the 108? Oh, I got him. I got him at the 110th in, in, uh, in, in my home league. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. It, 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 no, I'm talking about not even super flex. I'm talking about single quarterback. He was, oh, he was falling. Oh, okay. Well, in super, in super flex, I got him at the 110. And then it was a snake because it was the startup. And and I got Akers at the 110. I got Justin Herbert at the 203. Oh, God. Yes. 
That's that's the greatest Superflex start to a rookie draft in the history of Superflex. Congratulations. But that's what we talked about. We said, listen, it, so that, that was the, one of the studies in the book is what are the hit rates on third and fourth round wide receivers? They're shockingly low. But at least yeah. with running backs, if you can project a player is going to have a role or you know he has receiving skills like Kenny Gainwell, you got to go get that guy. Yeah. Right. Or, or or he has like or he has an impressive athletic profile. So the receiving skills, that's Kenny Gainwell. The athletic profile is Elijah Mitchell. So a lot of people would have drafted Gainwell Mitchell third and fourth round and come out ahead. Yeah. You would have drafted maybe Stevenson and Mitchell, and that's fine too. That's fine too. The bottom line is that's better than drafting, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown. Right. I, I agree. And I think a, a big thing, too, with the running back receiver, I mean, I think this, this applies to, to seasonal leagues, too, in, in the late rounds of drafts, where I think that, right, I mean, you look at the way that fantasy points are hold scored. Hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let's go live. Let's go live real quick. I forgot to go live. Let's go live. Let's do it. All right. Hold on. Oh, we're live with Jacob Sanderson just talking about the new Dynasty Dominator Reloaded book. It's now available in Amazon. Amazon has it. The soft cover, the hard cover's coming. We published it last night, and the advice is, in the third and fourth round of rookie drafts, go running back. Find running backs that will have a significant role, or have great athletic profiles, or we know are electric in the passing game. Kenny Gainwell, Ramadre Stevenson, Elijah Mitchell... Those were the best third and fourth round picks in rookie drafts in 2021. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I mean, the further you get in your drafts, the, the the less that you can rely on talent, right? The full package of talent, you always want to go running back. I think that this, this affects rookie drafts. It affects seasonal leagues because of the way that fantasy points are accumulated at the different positions, right? In a wide receiver, your fantasy production is almost always tied to skill. Right, you have to earn the targets. You go on the field, unless you're in a 13 personnel wishbone offense, you're competing with two, three, four other players on your own team every single route. You have to earn the targets. You have to maximize the targets. A running back, that's not the case. A Devontae Booker, right, can just walk in and be an RB1 out of nowhere, right? Daryl Williams, he of the 47240, can walk in and be an RB1 out of nowhere. And, and in Dynasty, that's how you get these huge value bumps, right? People that don't pay attention to the right details will see a running back who might not even be good, just simply get an opportunity and all of a sudden, this is a guy, I need him, and instantly your fourth round pick becomes a second round pick. Instantly your third round pick becomes a first round pick. Or you get the option, right? Say you get an Elijah Mitchell in the late third round. Oh my gosh, you know, week one, Mostert gets hurt, Trey Sermon did something nefarious to Kyle Shanahan and his family, and he's on some sort of watch list. Now Elijah Mitchell is the lead back for the San Francisco 49ers, and now you get to now it's dealer's choice. You get to watch the whole season. Do I like this guy? Do I want to keep this guy long term, or do I want to flip this guy? On the flip side of that, though, in the second round, you usually want to go wide receiver. Oh, for sure. If we whether it's super flex or single quarterback. I'm almost always going receiver in the second round of rookie drafts because you can still get players we know are talented and often at value as the Trey Sermons that get the draft capital 
get elevated into the early second round, and then that lets a Rondale Moore, an Elijah Moore, a Terrace Marshall slip to you. It's like, oh, Terrace Marshall's a bust. What? What? Give me your Terrace Marshall in Dynasty. You think Terrace Marshall's a bust? Uh, trade him to me, please. I, I couldn't agree more. It's the same thing we see in redraft, right? What do we see? These middle rounds, we see bad running backs. We saw one last night. Hey, Mike Davis truthers, right? Oh, How's God. life these days, right? Oh, God. How's life these days, right? I can't believe people were coming after my man, Patrick Murphy, who said, if you draft Mike Davis, you're the stone worst drafter in your league. It's easy to find that guy in every league. It's the guy that drafted Mike Davis. He said that, and it, it, there were actually people mad at him. I was like, wait, wait, wait. This is not a controversial take. This this is not this is this is one of the more reasonable, even like this is this, this is not this should not be uh this should how is this a polarizing position? This is obvious. People, well respected analysts in our world, in our fantasy world, took to YouTube to demand that the users of Twitter put their biases aside to switch DeAndre Swift and Mike Davis to ADP, right? And if you want to check that out, you go to youtube.com, you go Mike Davis, DeAndre Swift, underdog. You'll find, you'll see, you'll see, right? You'll see this conversation. Did they, they're not going to delete that video. No, it's up there. <laughs> it's up there for your viewing pleasure. Not that I'm infallible. Like, I make mistakes. Like, I got talked into yeah. Hunter Long in tight end premium, right? So even I make right. mistakes. Like, I look back. And I see, oh, wow, in tight end premium, I went Hunter Long when I could have had Elijah Mitchell. That was a fuck up. That's a fuck up because you need to stay disciplined. It's hard in the moment when you're like, oh, this this, this is Mike Gusecki could be in his final year in Miami. They didn't they didn't extend him. Hunter Long has, you know, some, some really slick receiving skills, low volume offense, third round pick. Why am I drafting a sixth-round running back when I can get a third-round tight end who could be tethered to a, a, you know an exciting young quarterback in Tua Tungavailoa? This was the thinking in April, and now I look up, and Hunter Long's been a game-day inactive ever since, and Elijah Mitchell's the starting running back for the San Francisco 49ers, and you're like, oh, he's a broken finger. That's okay. Guess what? We have this. A little medical tape. <laughs> Put a little medical tape around your finger. See this? You just all you just do, you just stick, you see this? You just put the you put the medical tape around your finger and you're done. Like that's it. Broken finger? That's that's what football players do when they have broken fingers. Unless you're a quarterback, unless you're Russell Wilson, don't give me broken fingers. <laughs> don't care. Can we get that to Will Fuller by the way? <laughs> well, they have to I mean, receivers that that's the other. Okay. So, quarterbacks <laughs> first and foremost, some receivers certainly depends on which finger and you know wh- wh- which you know which of the digits was injured? Is it this digit? Or is it that digit? I, I don't know which of the fingers was hurt. It depends wh- to to get the pressure on the football. I have a football right here. See the football, right? So it's like you know I gotta I, I, you tape these two fingers together. Oh, I can still catch, no problem. Put I can squeeze it, but I I, di- I do think that you should give it a week to set so you can still put pressure on the ball. I think. For, it would affect ball security for a running back more than yeah. receiving skills, more than his ability to, to catch the football. So I think that, sure, he misses a game, but I'm not concerned about the broken finger no. longer term, no. And what we've seen with the 49ers this year, I mean, people are so, so anxious 
to proclaim the death of Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I mean, it's hilarious. It's, yeah, if you didn't get him, you hate him. The people who didn't, the people who didn't draft him in rookie drafts, the people who didn't spend on waivers, are so angry at themselves. But instead of looking inward, right, they, they take it outward. They, they take it outward. Uh, I have never in my life gotten so many angry, vitriolic responses than when Elijah Mitchell was hurt. And I was just like, wait, why are people so uh, happy to dance on the grave of yeah. Elijah Mitchell's fab buyers? Right? Like, first of all, first of all, it's fab. Right, you can't take it with you. You, can, you don't take it home. If you lose your leagues at the end of the year, you don't get to say, "Oh man, well, at least I have my thirty-two dollars of fab to buy me, you know, some pad Thai takeout." You can't do that. <laughs> so, and who else? I love pad Thai. People by the were way. like, people said, "How?" I love pad Thai. People said, "How can you? Can you believe the gall that people had to spend their fab on Elijah Mitchell instead of getting Damian Williams?" Right, that's unfortunate. <laughs> like, I know that was the beauty of it. The beauty of it, I spent a hundred out of a hundred in the Scott Fish Bowl on Elijah Mitchell, and then well because I was out of money, I couldn't afford Damian Williams, and I had to settle for Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, <laughs> that's a big win. There you go. <laughs> that was good. I unfortunately drafted Damian Williams in the Scott Fish Bowl, and and it was a very. This was a turning point where I drafted Cam Akers, the Scott Fishbowl, so my season is not it's not going well. Uh, I'm crushing my division right now. I'm up uh, 50 points over the next highest scoring team. Oh, well. We'll see you in the playoffs, everybody. We'll see you there. I uh, I saw Damian Williams come. I saw the Montgomery injury. I went, okay, now I have my running back, <laughs> and I had him for a half. <laughs> it got bad, but they're they're gonna they're gonna feed Mitchell when he comes back, man. I mean, people think the 49ers use this. You know, people it's the 49ers voodoo. They're not the Patriots. It, it's actually pretty easy to figure out what the 49ers are gonna do on a week to week basis once they've showed their hand. The problem is is that Shanahan doesn't care about your draft capital. Right, so if they drafted Sermon in the third round, they drafted Mitchell in the sixth round. He looks at that like, like a, frankly, like a fantasy manager would. Right? Okay, we draft. Right. All right. Let's say I drafted Lavisca Chanel, or let's say I drafted Brandon Ayuk in the fourth round of my draft. Okay, but then I drafted Debo Samuel in the sixth round of my draft. Well, two weeks in, I'm like, oh man, this is Ayuk season's not going too well. Debo's great. Am I going to just play Brandon Ayuk in the flex? For no reason. No, I'm going to play Debo Samuel because he's scoring all my points. Whatever. I used a fourth and a sixth. I got one wrong. I got one right. And we'll figure it out. Uh, I mean, Shanahan, that's how he, he views these things. He's going to play the best player. And Mitchell has shown him the better ability to operate his wide zone running scheme. We, we talked about this before we went live on, on these coaches and GMs that draft these players. And then they realize, right, it's, it's not going to work out. <laughs> the scheme is not the right fit. And Mitchell's been great. He's improved, I think, a lot as an inside rusher as well. Uh, we see that he's adding rush yards over expectation. He's growing as a, as a full rusher. And we'll see. Maybe they'll even get him involved in the pass game. We saw that more in Arizona. I, I'm I'm almost looking to hold Elijah Mitchell in, in Dynasty because I think differently than the James Robinson situation last year, which, you know, of course, I think it worked out in, in large part due to, James, uh, due to Travis Etienne's injury. But last year, I mean, he was playing for a team that we didn't know how they would value the running back position in the draft. I think we do know that San Francisco does not value the running back position very heavily in terms of investing capital. How You can't confidently go out and trade for Elijah Mitchell in Dynasty, though. Would you rather have James Robinson or would you rather have Elijah oh, I'd Mitchell? I'd rather have James Robinson. 
James Robinson, right? Yeah. Would you rather have Alexander Madison or Elijah Mitchell? Oh, Elijah Mitchell. Really? Sure. For really? Sure. Yeah, he's currently the starting running back. I know, but uh, Alexander Madison, he could go somewhere and be a complete and total bell cow very soon. Wait, what? Why, why do you like Madison so much? I, I mean, Madison has been... I was a Madison skeptic until he just consistently performed as an RB1 whenever he was thrust into a starting role, he delivered. I mean, a, a, enough already. Like, the guy had eight targets and seven targets in both games he started. And he had 23 fantasy points and 26 fantasy points. Okay, I'm sold. I mean, that's that's impressive. Like the past. I mean, what do you want him to do? I mean, what do you? I mean, here's here's the count. I mean, it's just w- between him and Tony Pollard. I think there's a conversation as to who the best backup running back in the league is. No, Ma- Madison is so underwater versus Cook in terms of rush yards over expectation this year. It's one of the largest gaps in the league. It's like Daryl Williams versus Clyde Edwards-Helaire, James Conner versus Chase Edmonds, and Madison versus Cook. Where you look at this these rush yards over expectation metrics, and usually the running backs perform kind of similarly. You know, right? There's a lot of debate. How much are we actually isolating the running back production? And Minnesota is one of the few where you can actually isolate it pretty easily and see that Cook is is just crushing Madison on a rush-per-rush basis. The issue, of course, is the passing game. I, I'm i shocked. I'm still flabbergasted, frankly, that Dalvin Cook, who we know possesses a three-down skill set, is a plus pass catcher, has been hardly used in the past game this year. And then all of a sudden, Madison comes in, and, you know, he's he's like yeah. Alexander Eckler out there. Yeah, he came in very young. He's still only 23. He has one year left on that contract. You know Dalvin Cook's going to miss more games between now and Alexander Madison's contract expiring. It's hard to find an example of a player where I have changed my opinion on more dramatically than Alexander Madison. Maybe I'll get there one day. I, st- I don't know. It wasn't like he put up huge receiving numbers at Boise State. That would have been a little bit different, right? If he had been right. Kenny Gainwell at Boise State, I would have been like, oh, okay. Well, th- this guy's electric in the passing game. I'm going to get behind this guy. Longer term, he's going to have value. I didn't know. Now we know. As of this year, these two games where he started, I think we can say for certain he's a quality receiver. And if you're a quality receiver and you have size and burst, and essentially an all-purpose skill set that a team can trust, got to get on board. Maybe. Maybe. He's still... he's ah. I can't believe you're not on board with Alexander Madison. Because he's an inefficient rusher who runs a 4-6 with no pedigree of pass catching. We have two games where he caught a bunch of dump-offs from Captain Kirk. Oh, man. You're, you're, you're speaking my language right now. You're speaking my... Like, I'm going to use this exact this exact argument against you when we actually start the show show talking about Ramondre Stevenson. It's this is what you do. This is this is the boomerang argument where we we just have the same argument. We're using the same exact arguments against each other. This is the ultimate like Adam, I'm, I'm getting set up by arguments. Yeah, this is the jousting. We're gladiators in the arena with the exact same armor, shield, weapons. This is an even match. So let, let's let, let's let's discuss this. How are we going to bring you in? Oh, bring me in however you want, man. It's I'm ready to go. What am I going to say though? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? What, am I, what what's your you know what's a, what's a good hook for you? Oh my god, you're right. You're like I'm a werewolf drinking a martini on Twitter. What are you? What's what's your you know what's give me give me a, give me a little bit of your essence that I can use in my intro. My essence, Oh, uh, man. I uh, 
Look, my I got my run the damn ball hat, of course, always with me, accompanying my profile photo. Okay. Big game for Indy this week uh, in Buffalo. Oh, you're a Colts fan. That's right. Uh, we got, uh, you know, I'm out here. Uh, I'm grinding through the spreadsheets. We're, we're, we're working through our, our philosophy. I'm halfway through my article this week for you. You're, you're a, how about you're our, uh, you're our, uh, you're the underworld spreadsheet king? Man, Larky's going to be mad. No, Larky's, no, Larky's using R. Larky's running scripts. Larky's using R. Okay. So he, so he, he doesn't, you know, he, the, the, he's kind of, uh, he's, he's using a different medium. Right, he's like going to say he's an artist, but he's like maybe you're sculpting and he's painting. I, I see, I see. It's important to have that variance in art. Actually, talk to the stream for a minute. Give a, give a take to the stream for a second. I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, all I'll right. Drink a bunch of coffee. What's up, stream? How are you doing, stream? Uh, it's an exciting year being uh, being on the show. Look, honestly, this is a blast, man. Um, not a lot of people could get me out of bed at seven in the morning Pacific time uh, to come in and talk about football. Uh, as I pour myself my my third coffee of the day here, got this French press from uh, Amazon. Recommend. Um, but this is a blast, man. I, I listened to this show, uh, you know, before I ever wrote about fantasy football, before I ever discussed it, podcasted anything, uh, and then you know to get to come on, it's it's pretty surreal, honestly. Uh, so this gonna be fun. I did wash my hands. Oh well, that's good. Just kidding. So <laughs> I got it. I figured it out. I figured it out. I figured out what I figured out the hook. Okay. Right? Yeah. You're the coolest nerd in fantasy football. How about that? Oh, I hope so. Isn't that good? Because you got a backwards hat on. You're a cool nerd. That's true. I love nerds with backwards hats. That's that's really the type of line that I try to tell. This. What are, what are we doing here? Let's do this. Oh, look at that. Backwards hat squad, baby. You're the only backwards hat wearer I know that doesn't wear backwards hat snapbacks. Oh, I have them, but you know, our all our all our gear is uh, fitted. It just happens to fit my head perfectly. Do you have a very average sized head? Like, do you have a? I have a bigger head. I have a biggish head, and so the snapbacks don't. The snapbacks I have to go. I have to kind of snap them. I only can use like three of the snaps, and so it doesn't look as good. When you can snap the full adjuster, like you, it looks so much better. Yeah, and then if you if you see it only up to here, right, then everyone knows you have a big head. Right. Yeah. It, it, it just it's so obvious that I have this giant dome, and it's it's you know th- this this is better for th- this 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 aesthetic is better for me. All right. Let's let's do this. Let's let's bring you in. Yep. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio Program. The most trusted analyst, or one of one of the most trusted analysts in the underworld. The coolest nerd on the block. I mean, this guy brings his spreadsheets with his backwards hat, right? This is it. I'm talking about Jacob Sanderson. Talk to me. Shut up. No, no, that's not his name. Say this man's name correctly. It's Ramondre Stevenson. No, it's Romanitoba Stevenson. <laughs> Manitoba Stevenson. You're speaking my language, baby. So you have teams with Taylor Swift. Yeah, I mean, they just released a new album. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah! My Taylor, can I say this? My look Taylor at you, Swift teams, look at look at you. So quick on the uptake with that. I can't get a pun past you, Jacob Sanderson. No, you cannot get a pun past me. 
spent my evening at the theatre. <laughs> What's again, Don Wesley? Uh, uh, great, uh, great piece there by uh, Antoine Wesley. Is a uh, <laughs> not as good as his previous work, but I, I thought very, uh, very inspiring nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> that face, like. <laughs> Yes, we understand you love Rashad Bateman. We're, we're, I asked you about Devontae Smith. You're answering questions from 20 minutes ago. Yeah, see, this is the thing. This was the trap that I set. You know, this is the trap that I set. Because I wanted you to say something about Lamar Jackson being the reason you can't push up Rashad Bateman. And then I'd be like, aha, aha, aha. We're talking about Devontae Smith here, buddy. Can you imagine Julio Jones' career if he stretched? Can you imagine? It would have stretched out his career length for sure. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's it. There you go. It'll play on words. Yeah. I love it. It would have stretched out his career length for sure. You're speaking my language, baby.